Hello, I'm Chris Coatney, Chairman of Kenworth Allotment Tenants Association. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. This time we were with three plot holders from Audubon Allotments who discuss an environmentally, ecologically friendly approach to methods of growing, harvesting and pest control. I will now let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Nigel Wells, uh, Audubon Plot 74, uh, very, very keen um, allometeer, um, and I am just trying to do anything that I can do a little bit better um, that hopefully helps the planet. Hi, I'm Pat Huff, um, I'm on the uh, low ladies side of the, of the Audubon site, and I too am trying to do things better um, and keep the environment healthy. Hello, I'm Sue Ashby. I'm also on Audubon, um, Plot 68A, and I've been there for 15 years, which I can't believe. Um, and yes, same same ideas, just trying not to do harm yes. as much as anything. Yes. Uh, what would be your advice to someone thinking of changing their way of allotment hearing? Where to begin? Is that somebody who's new to the site? Or just changing. Could be whatever you want, really. Yeah, I mean, I suppose really both. Right. Well, can I start off then? Um, I think if somebody comes onto the site and they they have a new plot, what they should really do is look at the soil, because I think soil is essentially, you know, the heart of the lot material. And I think, first of all, they've got to check for compaction on the soil. So I would, personally, and I did, double dig to have a look at the subsoil and see if it's compacted, break it up if it is, if it is, and then put the topsoil back. And it's really important not to mix the subsoil, the subsoil and the topsoil. So I think that's the first thing. That's going to help aeration and water flow. So that's the first thing I would do. What would you do, Sue? I think very similar, really, because um, soil health mm. is really at the basis of good good practice, good growing, Um, and understanding what your soil is as well, because obviously Mm. there are different types, as you know, like sandy soil, which we've got on our side. Very nice to work, um, Mm. warms up nicely, um, doesn't get waterlogged, but drains all your nutrients straight away. So you need to understand what sort of soil you've got, look after it and improve it as best you can. What's what's your soil like on your side? It's brilliant. Oh, but that's my soil. So everyone's is different. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to realise that Kenilworth is built on a clay site, which is why you know, we had such a, a big brickworks for so long. Um, so the further you down, the clayer it gets. So to improve your soil, there's, there's a million different ways. But for me, somebody that's just starting, that gets a plot here, is have a look at what you've got and prepare yourself to enjoy it and work hard. Because if you're not going to enjoy it, it, it's not going to get any better mm-hmm. and, and I understand the soil structure and things like that but that's getting perhaps a bit too technical for someone that's just starting um, I would look at your plot and I would put cardboard down over half of it and forget it if there are weeds you if, no, if, yeah if there's weeds yeah. but, but you know yeah, over half of it agree. and concentrate on half the plot and forget the other half if you put cardboard down and you peg it down so it's not going to fly away that'll keep the weeds down for you mm. so half your plot is being worked 
but not being worked and give, and it makes it then more enjoyable to, to work with half the plot you've got yeah, and it won't, it won't become too demanding on your time yeah. and that, that way leads to more enjoyment because you've got to enjoy it else there's no point. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and I also think you've also got to look at the, um, the, the the how much organic matter is in the soil. You might not be able to judge that, but organic matter is really fundamentally very important, and um, so composting is amazingly important. That's where you get a diversity of organisms when you put that on onto your soil. So remember, green and brown. And, um, What's that? What? Well, green is leaves and um, any kind of green stuff that you pick. You know, it could be it could be weeds, but make sure they don't have seed heads on them because otherwise you'll be composting the seed heads and they'll go into the soil. Um, and then the brown could be cardboard, stalks, and um, food waste. Food waste. Yes, I bring compost from home. Um, that's really important. And then, of course, you can mix in some manure with that. That'll help to rot down the manure and improve the, the consistency and the quality of your compost. And putting that on the soil is really going to improve the biodiversity of the organisms. You won't have sick soil then. You'll actually have really good soil, which um, promotes good health in your plants. The roots can you know, go down further and absorb more. So... Composting is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Would you agree, Sue? Yes, yes. I was just saying, going back to the, the question about a new plot holder, I think don't be too ambitious to begin with, like you were saying, you know, just tackle half at a time. Um, and grow something easy yes. to start with. So something you get like. wonderful results straight yes. away, rather yes. than tackling something like anything that pigeons are going to eat or, you know... Oh, those pigeons. <laughs> Yeah, you grow They're these lovely, lovely cabbages and then you turn around one day yeah, and they're all gone. gone. So don't, you know, do something easy. Talk to the people next to you because allotmenteers are always very good at giving yes, lots yes. of helpful advice. And yes. everybody will give you different advice. Yeah. But, you know, look at the best plot and do whatever they, yeah. they've done. Yeah. And what I think eat things that you, you grow things that you enjoy oh, eating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your suggestion for a couple of crops that uh, a plot holder might have growing the, the easy think, yeah. good results that, guaranteed that's something that again back i'd ask advice because there's definitely two sides here at audible yes there's a sunny side and a less sunny side yeah. especially through the winter so mm. what might grow well on one side won't necessarily grow as well on the other and vice mm. versa mm. so speak to people either side if you yeah. i think and we to, tend to be know, a friendly shove, bunch shove spuds in to begin with yeah because yeah. you will get something off them yeah um and whilst I don't really promote digging because it doesn't. No, we don't want to dig. No, sort of structure and <laughs> we'll all come that to sort that. of thing. Yeah. Um, but at least if you if you have to dig to get your spuds in, then you'll be taking some of the perennial weeds out and things yeah. like that. And you'll get a you should get a crop. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. at least you've started off. And then yeah. I think the next easiest things are beans. Yes. Because they don't get eaten in well once they you know once they're up. Um, nothing much really attacks no, runner no. beans and French no. beans, and you get the no. good. Good harvest of them I, I wouldn't go with anything so like onions or like that that ilk. Go for plants that produce a lot of foliage because that will mm. give you natural ground cover, mm. which will help suppress weeds. Yeah. Um, whereas onions, there's a lot of ground in between. You'll be doing a lot of weeding in between. But yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Go for plants that are easy yeah. to grow, and, and, and plants you can um, you can eat. Yeah. And come again plants, things like chard and um, spinach beet. Mm -hmm. They're good. You can eat those throughout Rhubarb the year. Rhubarb is an outstanding, outstanding perennial, which provides so much yeah. ground cover that I don't yeah. even weed under it anymore. No, not no. not in season. No, that's true. Um, but going back to the compost, in the what I do, I'll throw any weed you want on there. But we've got. I'm going to raise its head. Knight's uh, horsetail or mare's tail. Yeah, um, anything that grows from a, a little bit of root, I don't put on my compost because mm. it will grow in there. And then when I, you know, think, oh, they, you have a bag of this compost, I'm giving somebody else the problem. Yeah. So anything that I know is going to grow back from even the little smallest part of the root, mm. um, bindweed, anything like that, that goes to the council tip. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just yeah. seed borne weeds. Yeah. I put mine in the bean bin. Take my home. Your nasty weeds. Yeah, your yeah. nasty weeds. Yeah. I just drown mine. Do you? Yeah. Mm. Stick it in a bucket and wait for it mm. to die. Mm. Mm. Do you use that? How long that, is that? Uh, how long is that? How long? Quite a while. Yeah. Do you use the soup that comes out of that? Um, I thought about it. Well, I always things like that you always intend to do, and then you forget mm. to do them at the right time. Mm. So, but I do find it actually, if I just put it to one side, it, it eventually desiccates and, mm. and it's gone. Then, mm. so. mm. Well, going back to the what to first grow, there's certain plants that are good for you. Um, yeah. Good for your plot. Comfrey is one of them. Yeah, so it grows. It grows abundantly, and I think there's one called Bocking 14, Fourteen that, that yeah. doesn't spread for miles. Um, well, it doesn't seed. That's yeah. the main thing. So it does run. You can control it, it. but it doesn't seed. So. But um, if you go comfrey, you can then use the leaves all through the season, and and make a green tea. You're making a manure, and as far as um, organic organisations concerned it's the super plant yeah. um, for plant health and I say it's got added yeah. bonuses where it grows like yeah. stinks it'll provide yeah. ground yeah. cover yeah. and it's it's good all around mm -hmm. yeah and if you grow a lot you can just cut it and spread it on the ground yeah, yeah. put yeah. it in your compost yeah, yeah. yeah. decompose Pat would you like to pick a thingy okay here we go what are the benefits of tending your plot in a way that you do and who benefits who and what benefits did you get? So, what are the benefits of tending a plot in the way that you do? Well, I suppose the benefits for me are peace of mind, uh, sereneness to a certain extent. Um, I go down there sort of a couple of hours, most, most days I suppose, and, um, and tend to the plot. Um, I dislike weeds, so I'm constantly there. <laughs> I've got plenty of jobs to do, but I know some people tolerate weeds, and in fact, I think probably uh, if you were talking to somebody who's keen on organic gardening, they would mm -hmm. tolerate a certain number of weeds, but I don't like them. So I hand I hand do it because I'm like Sue. I'm in the sort of position of wanting to do no dig, and I think probably you, Nigel, are you no dig as well. I've been Both. known to dig. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to dig I, potatoes. I, I, I understand the principles of no dig. Yeah. Um, and if I had a new site, a new plot, I would start off with that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, having grown up with horsetail, I know. Um, yeah. I, I've reduced it massively by digging. Yeah. And in a way, I've got myself to a position where I'm not no dig, but less dig. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got horsetail. But I don't dig, I just pull the tops off and that sort of keeps it under control to a certain extent. And I think it's just, you know, nature, you've just got to expect that some things aren't going to go your way. 
So it's a question of toleration. You know, mm-hmm. Let nature have a bit, and, and we have a bit too. So in a no-dig situation, I would hope to put the compost on top of the soil and let it go down. Um, and I think it's, you're also sort of protecting the worms because whenever you dig, especially rotivation, that you know, cuts them up. You're destroying all the channels they've made for the water to drain out of your soil. And it's a really, well, to me, it's not what I want to do. So the benefits of no dig and just having the peace and quiet on the, the plot would be my benefits. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I, I agree with what you're saying. I find I do dig because mm. usually because I've done something at the wrong time of year mm. and I find that the way to sort it out is that, oh well, it's yeah. particularly if you grow um, green manures, which yes, I, I do. Yes, I just going to say, yes, how um, do you get around that problem? Well, you, you can get around it yes. um, and obviously you do as long as you do things at the right time Yeah, um, and you don't need to dig a green manure in, if you've chopped it down at the right time then it will mm. generally decompose and the worms yeah. will take yeah. it in and yeah. do all of these good yeah. things. But um, if you've got your timing wrong, because you were yeah. away that weekend, you right, yes. to do it, yes. then um, yes. you've got to dig it in at some yes. point, yes. otherwise you can't yeah. get on yeah. with the next thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I had a bad experience with ryegrass. I let it grow too long. I had great big clumps, and I just had to dig them and yeah. turn them over. over. Yes, dig them in. So the other one that I use a lot is phacelia, because it's got yes, a beautiful lovely. blue flower yeah. on it, which is very good for pollinators. Yeah. So if you let it go... Then yeah. you've missed your slot yes. for you know, all of that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. but the benefits basically are peace of mind. Yeah. Um, you're out in the fresh air, and, and yeah. in the evening, in the summer, you can just sit there and listen to the birds. Yeah, it's and gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. I saw a, uh, a little egret the other day in the in the in, in the stream. 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 Yes. And yeah. I have heard people say kingfishers. Yes. I haven't seen them for a while, but I did see one once. Yeah. Well, the, the benefits definitely are mental health, yeah. physical health. And well-being. I mean, yeah. just just everything. If you enjoy your plot, and that, that's the the one th- key I get: enjoy it. Come here yes. and hope yeah. to enjoy it. Yes. And from the tending point of view, like a, I think a piece of advice is, it is far far easier to tend your plot for one hour a week every yeah. week than it is for eight hours after eight weeks, um, because mm. your problems you've lost it. have manifested. Yeah. yeah, you, you yeah. almost got to start again every eight weeks. So yeah. if you just come down for one hour. Um, and pull a few weeds it's far better than coming down and finding eight weeks worth of weeds waiting for you yeah totally mm-hmm. agree Sue but then weeds aren't all bad are they not all <laughs> some are very beautiful I think <laughs> <laughs> oh I think we've had that one what's that one I just that want to quickly jump in with what is a weed <laughs> yeah, and, well, I, and well, I once heard this Monty Don was once asked what is a weed and um or in fact I think it was another program I watched and um, they said to the gardening expert you know what is a weed and this bloke pointed and if you ever get a kennel there's like a stone monument that's part of the monastery and he pointed at the ground and he said you see that plant there that's a weed and then he pointed halfway up the monument and said that the same plant there isn't a weed because that's where it's supposed to grow yeah so Monty Don and a couple of people said a weed is the is the wrong plant, is it, yeah, the wrong plant in the or the right plant in the wrong place. So you might enjoy growing dandelions, mm-hmm. in which case grow them in a pot and it's not a weed. If you've been up to the university at the moment, the roundabout near the art centre is covered in dandelions and it looks fabulous, beautiful, it looks yeah. absolutely beautiful, but not on my plot. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, this next one. If you could ask people to think about changing one thing in their approach to their allotment, what would be your choice? I would I'd keep going back to this don't do any harm thing. So I yeah. would say just don't use pesticides and herbicides. Yeah, you yeah. don't need to. Yeah. So that would be the yeah. thing. So yeah. totally stop agree. doing harm. Totally agree. Yeah. I'll just yes. jump in quickly on the, more or less the same point, but um, if you want to use herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, you've got to pay for them. If you do a bit of research, there are options there, which I'll come to one in a moment, isn't entirely free, but they do work and they're good for the environment. So um, there's a, uh, a problem called powdery mildew. And over the last two years, I've counted it by using half a litre and full fat uh, milk works the best. Um, and you mix that with 10 litres of water and you spray it over your cucumbers, your pumpkins, those sort of plants that are going to have a problem. And I, I've looked, um, I could be making it up, but I've definitely had less problem with powdery mildew than other plot holders around me um, over the last two years. Why it works nobody says it's just a, a, a garden hack that I saw and I tried but I, I'm certain it works I personally think it's the fat content coats the leaves and yeah, makes them less be. susceptible mm -hmm. to power but there are other cheaper options that, that don't require um, you pay money out yeah um, when you're growing seeds there's a condition called dampening off if you just sprinkle a little bit of cinnamon over your seed pots when you've sown them you won't have a problem with dampening off. Right. Right, again, it's costing you a couple of pence, but yeah. some of these um, insecticides, pesticides, fungicides are expensive, expensive. and there are other options out there. Yeah. And yeah. that's just a couple of examples, yeah. can't remember yeah. anymore. Yeah. But no, you're, you're perfectly right, and I think um, if, you've, if you've got good soil and good organisms, they are going to fight off any pathogens that are in the soil. If you choose seeds that are um, equipped to provide you know, um, protection against diseases that attack that plant, that's a good that's a good idea. You can often, you know, the, the, um, that's a very good idea. And if you rotate your crops, you're also going to make sure that you're not always going to have the same plant in the same place, which will build up the pathogens and they will attack the plants there. So ro crop, crop rotation is a really important thing too, and that's something very very simple that uh -huh. you can do. Yeah. Because growing the same plant in the same place also depletes the nutrients yeah, in that particular absolutely. plant, which yes. makes it weaker, which makes it more susceptible to yeah. disease. So yeah. Yeah, totally. rotation is key to yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just jumping with a lot of the wildlife side of things, so hedgehogs are disappearing. Eighty yeah. percent supposedly of their yeah. of their um, diet is slugs, and yet we will we I say we arbitrarily quite happily throw slug pellets everywhere. But if you put your plants out when they're a bit more mature. Mm -hmm. Let, lettuce, for example. A, yeah. a, a, lettuce, uh, a slug will maybe have a leaf, so he's happy. Mm. Your plant's happy. Mm. If you put them out when they're little seedlings, they'll destroy them in the night. But mm. if you kill all slugs, you're also killing slugs that eat slugs. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, yeah. you're fighting nature. I just let nature take its way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like to think yeah. that I put my plants out when they're strong enough to, yeah. to resist slugs. The slugs will yeah. do what they want. And yeah, totally. I agree. sleep happy at night because I'm all with my slugs all the time. <laughs> well, of course, you can also make a little pond so that you're generating a lot of frogs to eat your slugs. You can use traps, uh, snares, and all that sort of 
you know, the, those sorts of things that will, you know, get rid of uh, the nasties that you don't want. Champion. Um, does the way that you garden reflect the way that you lead the rest of your lives? Well, I'm going to jump in first. I like to think so. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not holier than anybody. Um, but I always like to treat people the way I think I'd like to be treated. And to that end, I treat my plot in the way that I think the planet would like it to be treated. And that's quite simply about all I can say on that. I think I think Nigel said everything. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect answer. Takes me back to that book we had at school called Mrs. Do As You Would Be Done By. Oh yeah, Water Babies. Yeah. Yes, yes, Water Babies. Yes, absolutely. Because of your approach to the way that you garden. Does your version of the allotment year, do you think, differ slightly to plot holders that don't garden in exactly the same way that you do, that might take a more conventional approach to gardening? I, I don't think so. I think that the only difference really on Ollibourne as a site is which side of the book you are. Yeah. Um, that would affect you, how you garden, far more than, than your view. I mean, yeah. I like to think as I said, I'm not holier than thou. Um, so, I, as I said, I, I dig. I, I understand the no-dig principle, but I feel if I need to dig, I'll dig. I'm going back to the question earlier about digging in um, green manure. So I feel you're not digging as much as turning the soil over. You're turning the plants under on themselves to let the worms do what, what they're going to do and let nature take its course. So, you know, I don't want people to get caught up in te terminology, but... You know, I like to think that there's no difference. I, I try to be greener if the person next to me doesn't. Then that's their plot and that's how they, they get on with their life. And that, that's fine, I haven't got a problem with that. And I don't think anyone should, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sue, you talked about green news earlier. I'm sure that um, probably for a lot of people they they seem complicated or quite scary they don't want a plant getting out of control and covering their entire plot um, you mentioned phacelia is one example have you used any other types have you used ryegrass or any of the other uh, I, have used, I tend to just go for um, mixes that will work in the winter so you can get a winter mix and yeah. that'll have ryegrass and yeah. those sort of things in it um, and Really, it's about timing as well. When your soil is, you know, if you're taking a crop out and the soil is bare, that's the mm. time to put a green manure yes. in. Yes. And um, you would choose the most appropriate one for that time of year and for your soil. And like I said before, I've got, I'm at the common end of this side of other side of Audible. When you say the common end, do you mean Sorry. the not posh end? Or, uh, <laughs> Sue's not common. <laughs> And our soil is sand and it's like sand and gravel almost. Mm. It's mm. like an extension of what was the quarry, wasn't mm. it? Because yeah. the common used to be mm. a quarry. Um, so it's very, very light sandy soil. So I have to put something in that will grow well in very light sandy soil. If you were this, it's, not, it's no good on a podcast. <laughs> Um, if on the trading shed side mm. and the soil is very it's clay 
It's very heavy, but it's very fertile because it holds all the nutrients that they don't wash out. Um, you would probably use something different because it, so it's about again it's about knowing your soil yes. um, and yes. doing the, the thing the right thing at the right time using yes. the right yes. sort of in an attempt to get away from terminology but you know do, do a bit of reading and a bit of experimenting is, is one good thing because what might work on the neighbor's plot won't necessarily work on yours so we've got different sides but um, there is a general like winter mix, and I don't want to name the company, so I won't. But um, but there's also different types of um, green manures. So you might buy one that's specifically for where you're going to plant your runner beans. So not your runner beans, brassicas, that fixes nitrogen into the soil yeah, during so. the winter for mm -hmm. you, um, and that's part of your stock rotate uh, plant rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, to put certain plants in and move the beds around in a certain way that, that uses what you've grown the year before. But you can also adjust using green manures through the winter. Yeah. Um, again, one of the added ones I'll come up with is um, it helps you store, most of the green manures will help the soil structure, um, but they'll also provide ground cover through the winter. So, yeah, so you know, that's that's something, sorry, as well, they keep the weeds down yeah, because they're yeah. covering the soil with them. And holding the nutrient and the moisture. Yes, well. yeah, that's just what I was going to say. Yeah. Something we haven't mentioned was that if you leave your soil bare in the winter, then wind, sun, rain, they're all going to erode the soil and wash away all of the nutrients. Well, not all of them, but a good percentage of the nutrients because we're in a valley, so they're going to be going down into the stream. That's not what you want. And um, to, so to cover it either in green manure or compost or mulch or dare I say it, the black plastic, which you know I'm using at the moment, but reconsidering, all of these are good techniques to protecting your soil for the coming coming season. I tend to put compost down on um, sunbeds and green manures in others, but mm, when I put yeah. the compost down, um, I use the bags that it came in, um, cut them open, turn them upside down, and staple them because I've got um, raised beds, so I, I use them to cover the beds. Mm. Um, but I turn them with the black side up, so come the start of the spring, mm. um, it helps to warm up the soil yeah. quicker. Yeah. Mm. And I'm reusing recycling yeah, plastic. Exactly. That, oh, yeah, never throw yeah. plastic away. At least it's got eight, two uses out of its life mm. carrying the compost mm. And, mm. and providing ground cover. I think that's an important point, reusing things, because yes, I think when absolutely. people want to change something, mm. they tend to think that they've got to throw out everything that they've got mm. and get the new stuff or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And of course, you might have plastic, like you say, you've got yes. some black plastic and yes. it's already there, it's already been made, yeah. Yeah. so really you want to carry on using it, you just don't really want to buy any more of it, do yeah, you? That's you know? right, Yeah, but I want to use it in a safe way, I don't know if it's going to be leaching chemicals into the soil, so... I think the idea of putting cardboard underneath is a really good idea. You're maintaining the cardboard safely in position, so it's not going to annoy your neighbours. But you're also using um, a dense, a dense permeable fabric that's going to help the soil. Right, that's one for you, Nige. What thing is that that couldn't you do with that without? What things couldn't you do without? Hmm. Enjoyment. I'm going to start off with it. not green, it's not anything, but if you don't enjoy it, or, or do it so you enjoy it, that's the main one. Because if you don't enjoy it, it doesn't matter what tools you've got, what perennial plants you grow, what fruits you get. If, if you don't want to be at the, your plot because it becomes hard work, you know, just do whatever you can to make sure you enjoy your plot, enjoy being here, 
and then everything else becomes an added bonus. And that's the only thing I, I can do with that enjoyment. Any implements or anything like that, or bits of kit that you think, oh, I wouldn't want to do without that? I've got like my shed. Just going back, it, it actually is part of my enjoyment. I've got a gas stove and a whistling <laughs> kettle, which um, are the two hardest working bits of equipment on their lot. And that's because I enjoy a cup of tea now. And, and a again. whistling kettle, I've heard it. <laughs> I need the whistling kettle because if I don't, I yeah. forget I put it on. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd have burned my shed down years ago because of the whistling kettle. Because you put it, I'll put my kettle on, go off to do something, yeah, and then four jobs later, yeah, the kettle will still be going. Yeah. When I first came on site, the, my neighbour said to me, I just read a book and it says you should come down to the allotment with one job in mind, stay for 45 minutes, and then go away. And I thought, well, that's a good idea, I'm going to follow that advice. But of course you never do, because you do that one job and think, oh, I just got, oh, and I just got this to do. And yeah, it's just so enjoyable. So get a kettle with a whistle. Yeah, <laughs> with a whistle. That would be your, your yeah. thingy that you couldn't do without. Well, yeah. that doesn't always help if I'm uh, mowing or swimming. <laughs> <laughs> but my shed's still in one piece. Yeah. Sue, what's your favourite thing to grow? Mm, I think French beans, because they're, they're early. They're earlier than runners. They're self-fertile, so you don't have this business of, oh, it's too cold for pollinators and all of that business. And you can eat them raw while you're busy doing something yeah, else. Lovely. I like to graze when I'm going around the plot yeah. doing things. So I think yeah. that's my yeah. favourite. What about you, Pat? What do you really love uh, well, growing? Can I, can I have two? <laughs> well, go on then, since it's you. Well, I'm going to be greedy because I'm going to say one is fruit. Uh, I've got a lot of fruit on the on the allotment, so I really enjoy that. My freezer is always full of fruit that you know I take home and freeze. And the other is asparagus, which is just coming up now. And um, you know, it's a short season, but it's really lovely. And I suppose by growing it yourself, you know that it is truly in season. Yes. You know, yeah, absolutely. In Kenworth absolutely. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's that's that's right. one of the real beauties yeah. of an allotment. Yeah. Is that not only are you growing in season, but you kind of you appreciate the seasons, yes. you know, because you're, yes. you're looking forward to yeah. something else, yeah. or you have a really good yeah. something, and yeah. it's you know, yeah. it's a proper way to be. Yeah, I think. Lovely and try yeah. not to buy apples from mm. South America or something yeah. like that, yeah. you know, because if you yes. appeal, have a good harvest. Yeah. Mm. Nigel, favourite favourite crop? I'm going to have two crops as well oh, for two different one. reasons. Yeah. So um, um, hopefully, there'll be th at least three people that listen to me on the podcast. There'll be one. will be my mum. <laughs> And um, I've just put in just mum. I've just put in today my broad beans, or what I should say is my mum's broad beans, because a generational love of broad beans, so they've got to be grown. Yeah. And she'll take the whole crop off me. Um, then there's two other people that hopefully will listen. Will be Dorset John and Martin Paul. 
and the other plant I love growing. Occasionally well, but not for a few years, is a pumpkin. Because oh, yes. I have got a competitive yes. edge to me. Yes. Yes, anybody that knows we will agree. <laughs> Uh, but between the three boys, hopefully this is my year this year because I still own two oh, years for the last two competitions. Giant pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I do love pumpkins too, but I grow the smaller Japanese ones, and they're really tasty. Mm -hmm. Do you ever eat your competition I, pumpkin? Uh, my my pumpkins have fed several <laughs> generations. Generations. <laughs> no, it's can't say it's generations. So I've fed a fair few people with um, pumpkin soup. Spice pumpkin soup, mm, and um, get the benefit if you time it right, which we normally do, of you having a Halloween decoration for free. Um, do you choose particular varieties of plants and seeds for a particular reason? So, you know, yes. Sue's mentioned beans. There are many, many different varieties of beans. So, have you got any favourite varieties? You've mentioned squashes. Could you tell us a little bit more about the varieties that you grow and why you grow them, and why they're perhaps suited to the way that you garden? Yeah. Well, dis disease resistant, I think, is is really important. Um, we tend to have a lot of what's that? What, what is it that attacks leeks? The leeks oh, leek lost. Leeks are minor. Or leek lost. Yes. So I, I buy the larger <laughs> type of leeks because then you can take off the outer outer leaves if you need to. Um, so, mm -hmm. Yeah, I tend to go for um, disease resistant as yeah. much. I mean, they're, they're never going to be foolproof, no. but they'll be no. better than other varieties. So um, things like for parsnip canker, you can get some varieties that are less susceptible things mm. like that so you, you just read about the different sorts yeah. I mean the catalogue the yeah. King's catalogue yeah, is sure. really good for yeah, that too. because it'll have several different varieties of one vegetable mm. and they'll mm. explain mm. and potatoes as well mm. you know mm. you go for ones that are resistant to Chris can you just yeah, come in there right. uh, people that might not know <coughs> what the King's catalogue is a bit yeah, about so how we that do works. a seed scheme where we have King's seed catalogue and we get a discount on the price um so the association has some commission on it um, and this year it's been really successful. We've had 90 plot holders have bought their seeds from, from Kings, so they're yeah. a very, very good price. It's a really good discount, I find. Yeah. If you go to compare it in the shops, we get the, the seeds at a good, very good price. Yeah, they do have an organic section uh, yes, where some do. of the seeds are grown yeah, yeah. organically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some of the potato varieties are resistant to potato blight. Mm. So. Mm. And they have manure. Yeah. Green manure. I don't worry too much about the, the problems per se. So I don't look for disease resistance as such. I look for what grows well. Um, and what I do, I'll grow a certain seed. So one that I've had really good... Um, harvest with every year is um, there's a one called uh, butternut squash called hunter and I think it might be an F1 it might be but um, it's done well but what I do is whatever I grow in a given season I make a note of what the season's like so was it really wet was it really dry if it grows well I'll grow it the following year if it grows well I know it's it, in my mind it's a winner but I do allow for whether the weather was the same so could it have been the weather that's affected it but I go for what grows well and and yeah. going back to what we said earlier, what you enjoy. Yeah. There's absolutely no point in the world growing half an allotment full of tomatoes yeah. if you're allergic to them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I grow, um, grow fruits and, and uh, vegetables and collect some of the seeds and use them for next year. 
And I find that often, if you buy a packet of seeds, it'll do you for two years or even three years, depending on how many you, you, you grow, you plant. So uh, apart from parsnips, that's got to be um, fresh seed, hasn't it, for parsnips. But everything else, uh, I find, keeps reasonably well. Mm-hmm. So you can save money that way. The one year when I only had old parsnip seed left, I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll sow them anyway. They they all did they work? Oh, they good, good. Oh, that's good. And this year, I'm on the third parsnip seed sowing, and I've had about four. Oh. So oh. It, oh. It, yeah. I have no idea why. It yeah. just happens. Yeah. And that's one of the joys of having... Yeah. yeah, absolutely. A surprise. Yeah, a surprise, yeah. Surprisingly yeah. bloody germinated. <laughs> <laughs> Parsnip is one of those ones that if you've got a new plot, leave it a little while. Yeah. Get 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 used to growing things because they are. Yeah. Yeah. They take a long time to germinate too. Sometimes yeah, they do. Give t- up yeah. And actually, they will grow. If, if you're going to sow a bit of space with parsnips just give it up for the season because else if you try and re-sow something a different plant later on you'll find you've got parsnips and because they did eventually germinate yeah, it, it, it's yeah. one of them to avoid if you're a new starter yeah, yeah. Well, once they start to germinate you can transplant them quite easily they will they well, will do, do that them, you can them in toilet roll inners always and then you can plant them yeah that's a good idea do you only put one seed per toilet roll three and then what? And then weedle, you weedle them out. Pull the two theoretical weakest. Out. <laughs> <laughs> you are the weakest link. <laughs> Do you get inspiration from any particular people, books, magazines, websites? Any any sources of inspiration? Yes, 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 and yes. Really, you know, yes, anywhere, yes, anywhere yeah. that interests you. Yeah, and. Um, and you think you're going to enjoy as well. So, mm. yes, I, I do. I volunteer at Garden Organic and have done for years and years. But I just go there and enjoy it. Yes. I don't go with this, you know, specific idea that, oh, I'm going to learn about exactly the right way to do this. That, and the other. Yeah. Just embrace the whole yes. Yes. joy of being with like minded. Yeah. So, yeah. I think if you're into growing, you're into growing. So yeah. you can take inspiration from masses of places. So not necessarily certain people, um, certain gardens. But I mean, on the plot, I never ever come in or go out the same gate that I come in because you can see other people's plots and enjoy things, see what's doing well and where it's doing. And it all comes back to the enjoyment factor. But, and the other thing is, try, try again. You know, Robert Poos, uh, because some things will work, some things won't. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no guaranteed fact in gardening. You know, if I could tell you to do something a certain way and it won't work. Yeah. It's got two chances. Yeah. Live or die. <laughs> um, I've got an encyclopedia of organic gardening, which is edited by Pauline Pears, which I often go into and just check that I'm doing the right thing, or you know, when do I cut down this and when do I reduce that in size, or when should I plant this? And I find that really useful. But you know, I go on the internet and have a look. Um, Any so websites in particular that you favour? Uh, well, the RHS website obviously you know that's a very good one but um, there are lots of really interesting videos that you can watch uh, that give you advice and, and help mm-hmm. so you know just look around I think you have to read about it or you have to look or find information for yourself sometimes it's just not enough to just look at the packet and say okay no spread the seed <coughs> yeah. fantastic right time for some honesty now on a scale of one to ten 
how would you rate your compost heap? <laughs> and why is it, why do you give it that rating? You know, what is it that you're doing? So first of all, how would you rate your compost heap, Pat? Um, well, I know that I haven't put any urine in it this this uh, since sort of uh, September. So I think really I'm failing in that respect. I have put manure in it, so that's good. It has got green and brown. Um, so I think I might give myself a um, six, seven. A six or a seven. Would you be better that, uh, uh, Sue? No, because mine's brand new. Um, so it all got emptied at the end of last year, and it looked nice, actually. Oh, it mm, yeah. looked like, yeah. I'm talking about this, you know, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. talking about mine since September. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was it was rotten and it was all falling to bits, so my son has very kindly built me two nice new compost bays. Look a bit like Swedish saunas. Yeah, they're no, over engineered. Have yeah. you noticed them? Yeah. yeah. Um, but so it's very new what's in there. But we do always have a slow worm sitting yeah. just underneath the carpet. On you know, as soon as you've got like twelve inches in there, mm. the snow slow worm will appear because mm. it, it catches the sun. It's at the top of the bank. Um, yeah. So, to my mind, if I've got slow worms, I'm, I'm a ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I've got, I'm, I'm very reluctant to turn it when yeah, I know there's one or two in there. So that's bad yes. because clearly, yes. if you don't keep turning it, then it doesn't rot down as quickly. Well, I've got a bin that has got slow worms in, and I never empty it. I just keep it there. But I've got space for it. Yeah, yeah, very good. Fifty-year-old mm. grown man that was um, absolutely destroyed by a slow worm because I lifted. I thought it was a snake. I'd never seen one before. <laughs> put, put down the um, the cover that I had and, and shot down the bottom of the garden and come back about three hours later. But my, I think my plot's about an eight because I, I try to do what's well advised. So I mix up layers of um, paper. I try and put most of my weeds um, and at the end of the season harvest dip, um, plant stalk stems in it. Um, a little tip on a separate note I've got a um, I never thought I'd ever be like this but I've got a shredder at home so anything that's got oh, my personal nice. information on it mm-hmm. I shred mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and then I put it on my um, compost heap so by the time somebody comes to try and nick a bit of information about me and do identity theft A I've got no money uh, <laughs> but B they'll have to go to some efforts but um, I, I work on a sort of like a two year plan so I always put the biggest heaviest things that I haven't been able to shred at the bottom and then build layers up so that they'll I can leave those a bit longer um, but I'll normally try and uh, I don't don't ever turn it I know they say about putting air into it but I tend to so last year's um, compost will be this year's yeah. Um, yeah. mulch yeah. at some point during the year mm-hmm. um, and then this year's will be next year's um, but I try and save it any soil I get so um, if I do any seedlings and I transplant them, then that oh, that goes on to the compost heap, um, and then each time I pot on anything that's left in the bottom goes on the compost heap. So it's building layers, but I just think if you can give the worms a helping hand yeah, and a bit of soil in there now and again, yeah. and yeah. male urine is supposed to be better than yes. female yeah. urine. Well, it's not mine; it's my husband's. <laughs> 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 he's, on, he's on urine duty. Do you think? Perhaps I shouldn't have said that. Do you think at this point we've lost? Several of our <laughs> listeners, you know, oh, I didn't expect it to be like this. <laughs> oh dear. Um, something for the, the, new, the, new, the newcomer to allotment hearing, it might be useful to know that once you've, and I've got one of those plastic, you know, compost bins, 
So I don't turn them, but I've, I've put in egg boxes and toilet rolls and things like that, so there's a lot of aeration in them. But when you empty out your compost, and generally speaking, I empty mine round about sort of May-ish, when it's all broken down, um, that's the following year. It's had a year in there. Um, I take it all out, and it's usually very good, very friable, but always keep some of the soil at the bottom of that because that starts off the, the new compost bin. Mm. Yeah. Good idea. And move, move them around the plot, perhaps. Right, and the last point that I've got to ask, uh, are you trying anything new this year? Um, yes. From my point of view, I'm not. Um, tried and, and, well, not yet. Um, no doubt I'll be trying a few different varieties of chilies, so to that end, but then I grow, I grow everything I grow every year. Um, there's some things, not so much that I'm going to do new, I'll try to grow watercress for various methods over the last couple of years, so I'll try and improve that. So I, I don't think I'll be growing any new crops, but I will try and grow what I've got better. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I get carried away at the garden centre, I see, so I, I'll try that, I'll try that. Mm. So I've got a tree spinach, which apparently grows to about five foot, very interesting, mm. yes. and some okra, I've never done, you know, ladies' yeah. fingers. Yeah. I tried yeah. okra last year, and again, I'm growing it this year, but yeah. it, I had no success with it at all last year. No. It strikes me as something that, you know, will want heat and, and, yes. and want to be a little mm. bit kind of, not exactly tropical, but, mm. but we'll see. It's always fun to have a go. Just, yes. just a little thing. Don't have a go with half your plot with something new. You know, that's not a good idea. <laughs> and some, so just something I thought of that I should remember to do with the sweet corn. This is not growing something, but you know we have badger problems. Mm -hmm. This is not yeah, yeah, yeah. a new plot holders, is it? Mm -hmm. But holly, if you put a bit of some holly leaves... I did it round the rhubarb last year, and that stopped. It started to have a go at the rhubarb just as it was coming up. But if you put some holly leaves round, badgers don't, don't like it. Oh. Don't like their noses. Mm. Well, I thought it was muntjac yeah. that were doing the damage to the corn. Could be but on the, I, I went to Could a previous like, meeting where they discussed pests on the plot, mm -hmm. and somebody put up a picture of a badger. Now, anybody that's been round my plot will regularly see holes in my bark chip, especially the bark yeah, chip pass where the badger comes to visit me and I said to them they said is, is a badger considered a pest and I said personally not I said because yeah. me and him get on famously yeah. because he tends to come to the plot during the middle of the night when I tend to be asleep and I tend to go to my plot during the middle of the day when he tends to be asleep so mm -hmm. I haven't got a problem apart from holes he leaves well, we're encouraging. We're trying to encourage nature, aren't we? So let's, let's live with the animals. It's a bit disappointing when they've trashed a whole lot of yeah. sweet corn. Though, yes. you know, yeah, and it is badgers, isn't it? Talking about as an allotment, if you ever see someone's um, sweet corn corn's been battered, and yours is still alive, go and test it, see if it's ripe, and pick it as soon as you can, because mm -hmm. you're just waiting for the problem to become yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Goes around you haven't got anything new this year, Pat. Uh, last year, I, I grew um, Chinese gooseberries, and they started off as little plants, and I thought, oh, right, okay, perhaps I'm not going to get any fruit, and then they grew and grew and grew tremendously fast until I had great bushes, and in fact, I took a photograph where they're, almost, they're as tall as I am, and I had thousands of berries, thousands of them, but none of them ripened. And then I had the terrible job of getting rid of all of this... Well, not terrible, because it went straight into the compost heap. But then I had the job of cutting down all of this stuff. So I'm not going to do those this year. Um, 
bit hopeless, but I have planted some blueberry bushes. I've planted eight blueberry bushes, so I'm hoping for a, a reasonable crop in about, say, three, four years. It's Depends how old the plants are, doesn't it? Pardon? Depends how old the plants yeah, are. Yeah, they're not very old. No, no. So anyway, hopefully in in time I'll get some blueberries. Hopefully, right. Um, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been really, really enjoyable. I mean, at this point, I would normally go home and edit it, but um, it, it just seems to have been so cosy, this thing. I'm, I'm tempted to just shove it up there as it is, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, we've got to leave. of Catter's aims are to promote the benefits of allotments and to engage with the wider community and to that end we threw open our gates and held an open day on Sunday the 21st of August 2022. The allotments look superb with dramatic dahlias and soaring sunflowers, trees laden with apples and greenhouses chocker with chilies and tomatoes. Hello my name is Chris Coton and I'm Chairman of Kenworth Allotment Tenants Association and welcome to another podcast. Please sit back and enjoy listening to some of the visitors on Open Day talking to Nick Wood. Picture blue skies, warm sunshine and the bustle of visitors as we transport you back to a fabulous summer's day. Wow, who's that one? We didn't see him the other day. Oh, that's that one. Anne? Oh. Anne? The green weed. Is this your spare bro? Brilliant! I don't know. Green reaper. So we're here with Robo, Robo Crop. Robo Crop, that's uh, right. With Janie or Jill. Uh, <laughs> so, t- t- where did you, you say your husband made him? Oh, he did, yes. He's one of the uh, scarecrows for this year's competition. Did he win a prize first? He didn't actually. No, no, he didn't win because we didn't put him into the competition. He was, we've had this scarecrow now for about four years. It's been in our cellar. And uh, we thought, well, just for the children this time around, we'll bring him out so they've got some more to look for. But he didn't go into the competition. He's fabulously uh, constructed. <laughs> so you say your husband made him out of... Yes, uh, out of love. Yeah, yeah. And all sorts of odds and <laughs> That's odds. right. Does, yes. it, does he do a very good job of scaring crows? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but uh, he's not going to be here for very long because... Um, We'll probably, in a couple of years' time, he might come out again with a few ad- adaptations, maybe even move or yeah. lights or who, oh, know, who knows yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, he's a fabulous addition to the uh, scarecrow competition. <laughs> I think he's really clever. And I love the fact that he's just had a very big meal of computer chips as well. <laughs> <laughs> We've been watching people waving at him, which it says on the, uh, on the sign there. Yeah. And we, we've kind of come to the conclusion that they think that if they wave at him, he'll do something. Yeah, I just did. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. He doesn't do anything. But watch this space because maybe next year he will. 
So he's not a static scarecrow, this one. He's, he's one that's going to probably evolve at some I point, isn't I think he might well do, yeah. I think he might well uh, um, come alive at some stage. Champion. He's beautiful. <laughs> so is he going back in the cellar after this? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah he'll, and he doesn't uh, mind that. He doesn't get too rusty in there, no? No, no it's a nice dry cellar, so he's but he has a he has actually enjoyed the fresh air, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's got a smile on his face anyway, even if he's not waving at us. <laughs> yeah, we've had cake, we've had tea. We've I'm trying to get around there. Oh really? All right. Um, we've spoken to the guy who's seen the woods, yeah, the wood turning. I didn't realise he was a plot holder. Oh, I didn't realise that. That is just, yeah. the plot. Where he is, is actually his oh, plot. Oh, actually, he did say, oh, this did is my he? Plot. Oh, yes. right, okay. Yeah. But that was really mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. What um, was he talking about to you then? Um, the, his wood, like, turning, yes. Was he actually turning and using the lathe? No, it's, no, uh, um, no he, was, he was using the one that, the one that doesn't. You know, he's great. Yeah. A shave, the shave. Yes. Yeah. 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 Why do you like working with wood? <laughs> I, I've always liked trying to make things yeah i've never been that good at it but i've always liked trying to make things where do you get all your wood from your That's raw material <laughs> what finding it yeah does it have to be green for the work yes. that you're doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Green. yeah what's the maximum age that it can be after felling in order for you to be able to use it um Apparently uh, a month to a couple of months, providing it hasn't dried out too quickly. Depends on the, um, the type of wood. Yeah. That, I mean, that influences how quickly it might dry out after yeah. it's been cut down, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hello. What's that? That's a pole lathe. Huh? A pole lathe. A pole lathe? Yeah. You, it's, not, it's not an electrical lathe. You power it with the, the elastic rope at the top and your foot at the bottom. Mm. And it turns the wood. And you... Uh, I'll, I'll be doing a bit later on this afternoon oh, if you can have a look. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that uh, dibber was made on that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, it's willow. I, I, I thought it might be willow because they're always coppicing the willow on the, on the riverbank. <laughs> yeah, I can't quite make a cricket bat. It's a different sort of willow, I think. Yeah. And what's this receptacle here? Is this a it's drinking called, cup? It's called a cookser. And what do you... It's, what? A, it's a Scandinavian drinking cup. Oh my goodness, that is just That's so beautiful. That's made out of a log. Yeah. It's Literally something that size. Yeah. You, you just carve it out. Right, so I'm here with... What's your name? Amber Rose. And? Aurora Lily. Aurora Lily. Just a little bit shy. You are, yeah. And you are? Heather. Okay. And where have you come from? Are you local? We're local. We live just on Churchill Avenue, so just we're really there. close. Yeah. And um, what's been your favourite thing that you've seen today then on the allotment? I really like the creative scarecrows that we see a lot. Is there one in particular that sticks out in your mind so far? What one have you seen so far you really liked? I can't think of one. You like the lizardy dragon looking one? Just up there. Have you seen the one on the bridge yet? No, we need to go and have a look. Oh, that's that really bridge. cool. That's a new bridge as well. It you is, in, yeah. It's it? not this one. It's on that one up there. Oh, and cool. I'm told he's he's underneath looking <gasps> up at you. Oh, you'll love that. Mummy, look! <laughs> oh, yeah, little scarecrow. We're here with Pippa. Um, he's done us a great pleasure today of coming down to the allotments to uh, officiate. And Pippa is the... Deputy Mayor. Deputy Mayor of the town council um why do you why do you enjoy coming to support these things 
um, I think anything to do with growing and producing and all of the marvellous um, community and social um, uh, to and fro that is involved is, is really marvellous, particularly when these days um, the, there's a lot of engagement um, but some of it is is via phones and one hears about um, massive loneliness mm. and down on the allotment it's all face to face so it's, it's a really really meaningful mm. a meaningful um, kind of engagement have you ever been a plot holder of an allotment no I haven't are you green fingered well I've got about seven different kinds of fruit in my garden including an apple tree what's been good this year um, the Logan berries oh, have been yeah. truly amazing yeah I don't know if that's because I've always put my coffee grounds on the um, Loganberry yeah. plant. Yeah. But yes, that's been amazing out of all of the plants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you brought your scissors? Do you want us to be no, I bought my brolly. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a, a conveniently placed pair of secateurs for you to cut the ribbon or something like that. You can get my strimmer out if you like. I've got this... Uh, the track that goes all the way around the sides and uh, there's a bridge down at the other end which which has been there since the allotments were put in but when you get to here you've got to walk all the way back round to get to the shed or to the trading shed whereas now so from now we've got the bridge you can come back across this way and so we sell compost and well, we have the manure pile and things like that, so people can come backwards and forwards. Oh, and I think this it's even been occupied by its own resident troll as well, uh, Pippa. If you look over here, look. Yeah, be very careful where you. You don't want to get too close to. <laughs> I've never met one of those before. No. Does it bite? I'm not sure. Uh, we try to keep small children away from it, though. <laughs> well, it's at least green, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Green and strawberry. That was made by Margaret, one of the. Uh, oh, the it really? was Margaret, That's wasn't right. it, Lily? Plot one of the plots. What, what do you, yeah. what do you think shirt. of him? Uh, him, her. <laughs> <laughs> she, he. They. 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 <laughs> well, I just think this is a really splendid bridge. And as you don't have a name as yet, I think it just should just be called Splendid Bridge. Yes. <laughs> and I named the Splendid Bridge. It's <laughs> officially open. Yeah. <laughs> we have a gluten-free cake, we have a vegan cake, we have a dairy-free cake. We are catering for all. All taste catered for here at Audubon Lot. special dietary needs. Hello, Roger. Oh, hello, Nikki. What have you got there? I'm just scrounging off my kitchen. Has he washed them for you? Yeah, I know you can't grumble at that, can you? <laughs> What's been good on the plot this year? Um, well, mine, because it's all late and dry, the potatoes are that nice. I'm still eating them. Yep. They did well, but other things, not so good. Uh, but I can't hide them behind your back, we can see them. Hey, hi, Nick, you okay? <laughs> just, yes, uh, It's just. Uh, Getting started this year and hopefully it'll be a lot better next year. Yeah. It's hard work with this. Oh. But you know it because. Uh, with the heat as well, yeah. Why did you decide to write a book I'll about tell you sheds? That. Yes. Well, that was very simple. 
I was short of things to do. I'd done about <laughs> with Graham uh, Gould. I'd, we'd done about six local history books, based mainly on big houses uh, in Kenilworth, and uh, and we were st- I, I was stuck for something to do, and I and, and I looked at next door's garden shed and thought, oh that would be nice. I'll go round Kenilworth and look at uh, sheds, and I walked round Kenilworth. And I could find no sheds of, of any real interest. Uh, and then Claire said, well, there's plenty down the allotment. And I suddenly thought, yes, yeah. so I came down and I just simply photographed every single shed and as many people as wanted to write, uh, talk about their shed uh, uh, or write about it or send me a comment in a little bit. Uh, that's how the book. That's how the book came about. So then I did the sort of a bit of the back history of the of the um, of the allotments themselves, uh, and it was basically because uh, my dad was, uh, and I came down as a kid. You see, to Audibourn, the Audibourn side. To Audibourn, yes, yeah. and he had an allotment on Just that side yeah. there. Yeah. And oh, you're the tape I spent ages looking for the big yellow flowers that I went in amongst when I was a kid, uh, uh, like in a forest. And I still remember that. And I couldn't for the life of me find out what they were. And then I was over in Warwick and I saw a row of them in, uh, up against somebody's fence. So I popped in and knocked on the door and said, is it possible to have a root? And she says, you can have as much as you bloody well like. She says, it, they go like rabbits uh, and that sort of thing. So she says, what I've always wanted is goldenrod. I said, I've got goldenrod. So we, we actually swapped over and I've now got Rudebeck here in, uh, in uh, both the front and the, and the back gardens. Is that the flower that you remember? And as that was the flower I remember, you see. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, uh, I've had, she knew what the name was. Was your father a long-term plot holder? Did he have yes, his plot yes, for many years? Yes, yes, during the war. He had the post office in Henry Street. And, uh, and yes, and we used to come down on it's the bike and bring the produce back yeah. over, the, over the crossbar. Yeah. You know, carrots died together and over the crossbar yeah. and all that sort of thing. So we did all that. Uh, and uh, uh, and he, he mainly grew veg uh, as thing. He worked... Uh, in a factory in Coventry, uh, in Courtauld's, in the spinning department. Um, and like a lot of uh, blokes of that age, and especially during the war, when that added to it, um, and I'm talking about, I was born in 1932, so uh, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, just about the start of the war now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, they liked something they could get out to the open air, where the allotment the allotment organisation uh, actually was was prompted by that. It's a bit like brass bands to 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 pits. Mm-hmm. It gave them something to do uh, in their spare time, but also with allotments. Of course, it, it, it did mean that uh, if you had a man who was a good allotmenteer and a, and a mother who was a good cook, you got a good house. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the two things went together. Mm-hmm. So consequently, he. Uh, he did what most people did, and they just they, they got an allotment because Henry Street hadn't had, got much of a garden behind, uh, and uh, and so he needed he needed the extra plot um, and that. So I thought, well, I'll do that, 
and then I got into the history of it, and I, and I wrote all the history of it, and the, all the all the stuff, collected as many old photos as I could uh, of uh, of that, and wrote about old Spud Perkins, who uh, who, who was who won, won the the years 1957, I think, the potato crop uh, prize, national prize for National Grammar, uh, and that, yeah. So I remember the. I remember the bag of the bag of uh, chip potatoes coming down from Scotland uh, for him to for him to plant and that. So there was a lot of nostalgia in it, and it filled. So I thought, oh, I'll get this book done. So I got it done. And it looked all right. So I, I I used the same publisher that Graham and I used, uh, and I got uh, I got a batch of them done. And I thought, no, instead of selling them. I'll give them to the Allotments Association uh, in in uh, in Alf's memory, you see, and uh, and uh, Lily w- was pleased to accept it, uh, and then they decided that the bridge was going to be not paid for, but uh, it it triggered a off. contribution towards, yes. yeah, and they needed a lump sum to sort of start it off, and, and here they are, they got six hundred quid. From uh, from selling the books, and here we are, stood and on so, that bridge now. Yeah. So the whole thing went together very, very nicely. Yeah. As a thing, everybody was satisfied. I was delighted that uh, the old man got uh, got uh, remembered. Yeah. And, well, uh, here he is. He's got his plaque on. And he there got now. he got his yeah. he got his little plaque. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yes, and and the allotments, and it was a good. It's what the allotments wanted. And it wasn't until we got round to here that we discovered that it had all been happening. Yeah, yeah. Been the ribbon has been well and truly cut. That's yeah, right. it's been well and truly cut. I don't but, think Alf would have minded that most. Oh, do you? not in the sli- Alf was the most unprepossessed. It was my mother who was the driver. She was the bossy Bedworth girl, oldest of thirteen, uh, so she knew how to boss, and uh, and she was as bossy as can be. And I've married bossy women ever since. I got one down there. And uh, the no um, comment for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Confirm or deny. And uh, no, but yes. Uh, uh, and Alf, Alf had been the old brother of, with four four sisters, uh, who's and the husband had done a, a bunk, and so he was the sort of father substitute for them. So he was like that. And he was great because in the post office then he was the father figure during the war to all the all the women who were on charity uh, and government money and rent allowances and, and food allowances and that sort of thing. Uh, and in the post office they were all dealt with through the post office in those days. And uh, and uh, so he was he was uh, a little god to them. And eventually he went on to be a councillor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he was he was he was great, and I and he was a very retiring, shy sort of chap, uh, and uh, and uh, and I never really got to know him as because my mother was so dominant, and and I regret that. So this was good for me mm, mm. to be able to sort of put him yeah. with his plaque, yeah. and she hasn't got one. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to your book, so you, you did this book about sheds. Is there one particular shed or finding in a shed that either surprised you or that you thought, oh, I, I wouldn't mind that, you know? Yeah, well, I loved, uh, what's it, garlic's, uh, young garlic shed up there. Why? Be- well, because he turned it into, uh, he turned it into his, uh, his refuge. 
and he got armchair in there and, 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 his, and his radio and all that and it was done out uh, you know there was hardly any evidence of gardening in there at all and I found that an awful lot of them when they wrote about it talked about their sheds as a, as a refuge in fact on my garden shed I've now got the plaque that said this is not a this is not a shed it's a sanctuary a sanctuary that's yeah. right <laughs> one of those daft songs we call yeah. it the boffy yeah yeah which is the gardener's hut <laughs> scottish <laughs> gardens. Yeah. uh yeah so yeah so it was interesting to see those and the you know lots of interesting stories come out of it you know of where the sheds came from and all that yeah it was great fun and i thoroughly enjoyed it and it filled a gap also between that and finding another topic that Graham and I could do, and then we, we went on and we did a, another one. Have we done one or two since then? I forget whereabouts. I think two. Two after that now. Now we've run out of steam again and we haven't got <laughs> anything to do at the moment. It's been lovely talking to you, uh, and also, you know, thank you very much right, for the contribution towards the vision. Yeah, I'm really glad that uh, you think that Alf would have been really oh, quite chuffed to bits to think that he got his, his name up there. He's back in Audiborne after all these years. He would, yeah. have, he would have done exactly what I did, as I said to Lily uh, about the function. I said, I'll come to it, yes, but I will not be acknowledged in public. I, if you want me to get up and say any, any few words, I said, forget it. Uh, so, in actual fact, by sheer good fortune, we, we you walked missed away it. and I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that looks a nice one. Well, it might be all right. Let's have a look. If there's a grub inside, it feels very, very. Somebody told me the other day. Oh my goodness, that is divine. You know the little black dots that the mm. grub leaves? What's the name for that? Poo. <laughs> yeah, I know it's poo, but. Isn't there a name for it? Somebody told me the other day that I think. What, like a scientific it. name? Yeah, it. like what the name for that? Mm, I don't know, I just call it poo excrement. <laughs> um, grub excrement or something. That is divine. It's a Victoria, is it? Yeah. yeah. Would you like that half of the fun? Yeah, that's divine. Nice. That's absolutely um, fresh off the tree. Yeah, so I have to count them. My, my decision is final. <laughs> have you seen the, uh, the troll on the bridge? That's my personal favourite. I love it. <laughs> I right. caught them installing it the other the other day, <laughs> and I thought Margaret was going to fall in the brook. So I have to walk away. I thought I don't think it's going to look very good if a committee member actually watches her fall in the brook. Well, it would be worse if that committee member didn't then help. So I chose to walk away. <laughs> there were other people with her at the time. It wasn't like I left her on her own. But I thought, yeah. So you'll be going over mm. and do not miss the scarecrow on the bridge. It's just okay. fabulous. It's a troll. It's oh, under oh, the really? bridge. Oh, right. oh, oh fantastic. Very Norwegian Scandi. It's so cool. Really cool. An inspired idea by Margaret, the lady who did oh, really? it. Yeah, really. <laughs> Apparently she nearly fell in the river when she was installing oh, really? it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there wouldn't have been much water in there. So. No, that's well, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Caroline. And I work, I'm from Waste Management at Warwickshire County Council. What, yeah? So I go around trying to encourage people to recycle more, waste less. And today we have a wormery made out of recycling boxes. Oh, so these are the red things that there that, might be a lot of, that you used to you know, put your recycling at, at the yeah. moment. Yeah, because of the new collection system. So That's what right. is actually in there then? So here we've got um, one container at the bottom which is sealed so that the worm juice can't escape. And then we have a recycling container that we've drilled lots of holes in yeah so the worms can get through each layer 
And then in here we have um, lots of worms with food waste out of my kitchen. Um, and if we dig down in here, we might see they are in here. Yeah, oh, there, there's one. There's yeah, so I, yeah. You, you can either collect them from underneath uh, tubs in the garden. If you move a tub out of the way, often there's little worms underneath. So these are just ordinary so they're worms? They're, they're, not, they're not earthworms, they're composting worms. Oh, and there is a difference? They're brandling worms, yeah. Okay. yeah. So these just live in rotting vegetation. Um, so that's what I'd have in the compost bin at the top? Yeah, what you find in a compost bin. So you can either harvest them out of a compost bin from underneath pots or you can buy them from fishing tackle shops. Yes, I thought I'd so heard these that came, word before, brandling worm, yeah. Yeah, brandling, so there's one now. Yeah. So these came from the Emscott Road in Warwick, from the, the fishing tackle shop. Yeah. And so you put, you start it off by putting in some bedding, which could be a mixture of straw and scrunched up cardboard, shredded paper, some compost out of a compost bin, and then pop the worms in there, put some food waste on top, and then I've just covered this over with a sheet of newspaper. And then each time you have more food waste, just add it in, cover them up. Do you have up. to keep it moist or does the food that's going in have enough moisture it's, in there for the quite, worms? Yeah, it's quite wet, so yeah. it stays moist enough. I keep it in the shade, don't yeah. put it in the sun. So um, as well as doing something with your food waste, what, what's the benefit? What can you use the, what are the products that you can use and what would you use them for? So you have um, the finished compost, I tend to use it for a top dressing on my containers. So is that um, really stuff that you've done that? Yes, yeah. yeah, so this is out of my wormery. Gosh, you can see eggshells in there. Yeah. Um, basically worm poo. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's very nutritious and it's good for top dressing of your pots in your garden. Um, yeah. And it creates a potential problem in something that's really actually quite useful. Yeah, yeah. it's free. You'd be throwing it in the bin, wouldn't you? And yeah. now you've got this for free. So. Do you know this new collection system that we've got going in, in Warwickshire? Um, what's happening with the food waste in these caddies? Is a similar thing being done on an industrial scale here? No, so that's all going to a Seven Trent facility and it's called a biodigester. Right. And it's a big, it's lots of big vats and it gets turned into a soup. Um, and all of the methane that is created gets contained and piped through and it gets made into electricity and goes onto the grid. And then the digestate they call it that comes out the bottom all of the all of the gooey stuff yeah um gets reprocessed into fertilizer and gets put on farmland so that would be the equivalent of what you've just shown me here, yeah your worm but it would more be compost. it'd be like a sloppy soupy yeah. mush at the bottom yeah but again though it's turning a potential problem into something yeah. that's valuable in yeah, many different right. respects so all the it? gases that are in that that get produced when things get composted instead when it goes to the to the biodigester it gets turned into energy so good great. for the environment it is yeah well it sounds it to me if people want to learn more about how to do this safe for themselves or yeah. just because they're interested in general where should they go what are the good sources of information for so them? we have a facebook page uh warwickshire recycles um twitter as well and also our webpage is warwickshire.gov.uk forward slash composting and everything will be on there tell them all about composting or wormeries um, and signpost them in the right direction. Fantastic. If there's anything more they want to know. Yeah. I can't keep me out on, it's too off. I'm on the PIM store with Trudy. How have sales been today, Trudy? Absolutely brilliant, thank you. It's been, um, it's been really
exciting actually talking to everybody with their glass of pumpkins. I didn't know we were going to have a wormery here as well. Yes! Like such a cool idea. It's brilliant. Um, Caroline always comes with some recycling ideas so it's really lovely. I'm with the um, local textile artist Jackie um, Smithson and she's got various creations here made out of, is this local wool that you usually use? Where do you get your wool it's from? It's merino wool, um, so I buy it from a place in Yorkshire, so it's not too far Oh, there's away. nothing wrong not with something from the United People's Republic of Yorkshire, you know, yeah. So yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, why merino wool in particular? It's much easier to felt with, it's softer, and it just, it's just an easier way of felting. I mean, you could, you, you could incorporate a bit of alpaca, a bit of this, all sorts of things with it, but merino as a base is the, is the best for felting that I've found. I think these are just so beautiful, oh, absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> what? Well, it's just bizarre, isn't it, that they don't weigh anything? It's, it's just so peculiar. And I say to people, you can post them because what you can do is totally flatten them, put them yeah. in the post, and then they pop back up, and you just do that, and they're back to shape. Harmless. I don't understand the physics of it actually. How you know, just hitting wool or whatever you're doing and that, and wetting it makes so. it knit together. Woolen fibres yeah. have little barbs on them. So every little woolen fibre has a little barb going up, sort of thing. So a little all barb. along the fibre. All along. Yeah. So when you put hot water on it, those barbs open. When you agitate it with your rubbing and your rolling, it closes back up and shrinks it. So it's not actually shrinking wool, it's just shrinking it together, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so that's how it, the physics behind it, or the chemistry, or whatever you want yeah. it to be. So yeah, so the rubbing and the rolling, and you know the, the friction of it locks those fibres together, and there's little barbs, and then they shrink together. So. Someone on the allotments this morning at Spring Lane went uh, to pick his watering can up, and no water, no water would come out. <laughs> And so he gave it a shake, he thought, oh, it'll be full of snails, because it's usually full of snails, you know. Yeah. No, it's still no So he took the end off his rose, and there's a baby frog looking at oh. him in his rose. I think allotments yeah. are, I mean, they're the sort of soul of a community, aren't they? Yeah. You know, I they're really important. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think they're also very, they're not just important for the individuals that are doing them. No. I mean, as you can see today, you know, there's a lot of education that goes yes, on absolutely. behind the scenes. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of interest. Mm. See so many people here today. Yeah, um, and all different ages and yeah. you know, backgrounds. Yeah, I think it's really important that people know where food comes from as well. Yeah, so well, that's really helpful to see. Yeah, you know, it's in action, really. It is. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I was talking to the lady uh, that was is the beekeeper. Uh, oh yes, yeah, so we just bought yeah. some honey as well. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. That's great. That's four panels, please, for that size. This is Kenworth honey. Well, I'm honoured. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will tell my girls. <laughs> Thank you. How long have you been beekeeping? I've been beekeeping for 15 years. So um, I started with the Warwick and Leamington Beekeeper Association and I started with one hive and then it's a hobby that got out of control. Um, I got up to about 25. I'm now back down to about 10. Gosh. 
so um, so yes uh, I'm really keen on bees um, I'm just absolutely fascinated by them and uh, I, I got so interested with the club I've been doing some work with a few years ago I used to run the training for the new beekeepers yeah um, just to help people understand because bees are fascinating you can learn a lot about them but you can't they don't always read the books so we used to run a practical course and yeah. do that but um, we love coming to the allotments it's a, it's a lovely thing to see here I mean you know there are, there are kids looking at, at the bees now because there's an observation hive here uh, which has a frame of bees in it that I'm looking at at the moment um, and they're all busily working away there, but they can't get out from there today, can they? No, so. not no. None can get out at all. They're all fastened in. And what will happen to those bees tonight? When 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 you're packing your store, what will you do with those bees tonight? So those bees are actually just a small part of a bigger colony that I've got at home. So when I get home, I will introduce the queen and the rest of the bees back into the colony. So today we've got about 10,000 bees in that observation hive, but there's probably nearer uh, 50,000 at home waiting for their queen to come back. Will they be quite sort of worried at the moment, thinking, gosh, where's she gone? You know, will they have detected her absence? They certainly will detect her absence. Normally it takes the hive about half, half an hour to realise the queen isn't there because she gives off a smell, she has a perfume, a pheromone, that they rub on the other bees and share it around the colony and that's how they know they're from that particular colony and that hive. So they'll know that there isn't that smell there anymore. Um, so they will be a little bit worried and they might be thinking whether or not they need to make a new queen but hopefully if we can get her back in uh, today, uh, later on, that will uh, calm them all down a bit. She, she only came out last night. So. When, they, uh, when you reintroduce the queen and her bees here back into the main hive Will they accept her readily? Will that be alright? Will they remember that it's their queen, that, that smell that she has? They, they will and it also helps to have um, the other 10,000 bees that will realise that's their home. They, those, those bees will know uh, where their, their home is, they'll settle in straight away and they'll protect the queen should anybody sort of start coming up to her and say hey look I don't recognise you. Yeah. They'll make sure she's alright. So. That's good. What do you think it is that people know about bees and, and their reliance on them, really? Uh, uh, very important. It's, it's, it's part of why I do the beekeeping, and it's a big part of that. I mean, the honey happens to be a side sideline for me. The bees produce it, and I need to do something with it, but it's my vehicle for talking to people about it um, and how it got there and why it's important to our environment. But also, the honey is actually important to them health-wise as well. Um, so it's, you know, it's a vehicle for talking to people um, and people are understanding their, their environment. Uh, when you're not selling your honey here, if someone from Kenworth wants to go and buy your honey, where can they go and get some from? Uh, they, I sell some of my honey at Green Bean in um, Warwick, in the shop there, the su sustainability shop. Um, but I also sell it direct to people um, in Kenilworth, so they can contact me through Be Originals. Um, I've got a website, beoriginals.co.uk, and they can then uh, just send me an email and uh, we can sort it out from there. So I do quite a bit from that. Great. Okay, well, I won't keep you uh, from your customers uh, for any longer. There's obviously a lot of them around here. And <laughs> thanks very much for talking to us, and thank you very much for coming to the Open Day. Oh, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.
Well, you didn't look like that when I saw you earlier. It, well, no, no. Fairly recent. It's still attached, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I've just taken the skin off the knuckle. Oh, that's yeah. Well, it's nice that you've got such a nice, clean-looking bandage on there. Well, you should have seen it five minutes ago. This is the second one. What's the piece of wood that you've got on this uh, pole lathe at the moment? Willow. A piece of willow. Is that uh, Audubon willow? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So this, uh, we stood in front of Ian's pole lathe, you call pole it. Pole lathe, that's it, yeah. yeah. And is it hand operated or foot operated? It's foot operated. Right, so it's like a big sort of contraption, a, a sort of frame, and then there's a piece of wood that Ian's going to work on directly in front of him, attached by a series of pulleys to a pedal. Yeah. Uh, and what are you hoping to turn this piece of wood into? Well, I could turn it into a, a, a dibber. This is just taking the, uh, the, high, the high bits off the wood. Yeah. To get it smooth, so it'll sound a bit bumpy. Yeah. Is willow a nice wood to work with? Quite soft. Yeah. If yeah. you um see that what was going to be a butter spreader. Yeah. If you run your thumb across the back of it, you'll feel how soft it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also got a lovely smell. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it. Lovely. Mm. Yeah. It's very light actually, it isn't is. it? Yeah. yeah. Is it a strong wood? No, the problem with turning it is you, you get splits on it. Yeah. So what I've sort of do is, is I I leave a bit at the end which I can bound bind up if it's if it's getting split. Yeah. And then the, the piece of work will sort of finish either side of the split. So how long uh, would it perhaps take you? About an hour. So about an hour from yeah. uh, a piece of a branch yeah. to a dinner. To a dinner, yeah. yeah. Take, take the bark off from the staples uh, yeah. and get it as round as you can with a draw knife. And then it'll go on here. And if it's not perfectly round, I'll move this up. It's actually a remarkably sustainable way of producing something. It this, is, isn't yeah. It? Because yeah, it's yeah. powered by food, isn't it? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no electric or anything. No here. electric at all. It's a hundred percent sustainable, yeah. isn't yeah. it? You know, and the wood has come from here. Uh, yeah, and exactly. You never know; the dibber might be being used by someone well, on the board. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, this, this will sound lumpy. Yeah. See what I mean, as opposed to. Yes. That's the difference. This is because this bit hasn't had all the, all the highs and lows taken out. It's yeah. been not the same level. As you get it down to one level, it becomes smoother and smoother. And start the initial shaping with this. Yeah. So if I wanted a a groove in it. a lot more off. Is that because you're pressing more? I'm pushing, or pushing more in. You're putting more pressure on there, yeah. Oops, going the right way. You have to go work downhill as it were if you're putting Yeah, yes I can see. So you're see, actually working from side to side, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. And uh, so going down from the from the high point to the low point you go that side yeah. and turn it back the other way. Yeah. And then you'll take that out, and you see how quickly that's that, yeah. that groove yeah. has come into it. Yeah. And that's that sort of just shaping. Do you and use then, any uh, finishes on it? 
uh, when, uh, you, yeah, when you're uh, happy with the end product from the... If I'm, if I'm making a spoon yep. or, or like the, the butter spreader there, and I guess on here as well, I'll, I'll use um, just a... It's a, a vegetable oil thing. There's a bottle of it around somewhere. Oh, yeah, there it is down there. Yeah. This one. Uh, yeah. So that's food grade oil. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't put it on your salad, but... Can you use that on any wood? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, but particularly on um, woods that you're going to use, if you want wooden spoons or wooden forks that you've made, or yeah. bowls or things like that, you use something like that. Yeah. You can dye them, um, but again, you've got to use um, food grade dyes like walnut or something like that. So yeah, yeah. Walnut oil that you'd put on your salad or something, you could use that. It's an expensive way of doing it, but yeah. You, and that would dye it uh, yeah. sort of a brownie colour. Oh, right. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah to, exactly. To, to make something for yeah. me is yeah. just far, far more rewarding than buying something. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. 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 And I, I, as you said, you, this, the satisfaction you get out of actually producing something which you can then use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Whether house, it be a spoon or a chair. Yeah. Used for cooking and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, some, be some better than others. As I've gone on, though, my, my proficiency has, has got better. So yeah. Yeah. the early spoons are really fairly rough. <laughs> <laughs> and yet usable, ones. I'm sure. Oh, they're still usable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Successful day then, Paula. How many people do you think you've had through the door? Do you know? Uh, I've got a piece of paper with a five bar gate system on it. So far, I've managed to avoid him. No. I ran away down the other side. Yeah, I tell you what. Um, I think it's been a lovely day. Put them in it's that been fabulous. There, which yeah. Well, I do hope you enjoyed listening to that. There were some really interesting people there, so enthusiastic about their subject. And I particularly liked hearing about the bees from beekeeper Julia Smith. And I thought that Peter James is a real Kenworth character. So I hope to see you there next year. Goodbye. of Catter's aims are to promote the benefits of allotments and to engage with the wider community and to that end we threw open our gates and held an open day on Sunday the 21st of August 2022. The allotments look superb with dramatic dahlias and soaring sunflowers, trees laden with apples and greenhouses chocker with chilies and tomatoes. Hello my name is Chris Coton and I'm Chairman of Kenworth Allotment Tenants Association and welcome to another podcast. Please sit back and enjoy listening to some of the visitors on Open Day talking to Nick Wood. Picture blue skies, warm sunshine and the bustle of visitors as we transport you back to a fabulous summer's day. Wow, who's that one? We didn't see him the other day. Happy birthday. Anne? Anne? Is this your scarecrow? Brilliant! I don't think
So we're here with Robo, Robo Crop. Robo Crop, that's uh, right. With Jamie or Jill. <laughs> uh, so ta, ta, where did you, you say your husband made him? Oh, he did, yes. He's, he's one of the uh, scarecrows for this year's competition. Did he win a prize first? He didn't actually. And okay. No, no, he didn't win because we didn't put him in for the competition. He was, we've had this scarecrow now for about four years. It's been in our cellar. And uh, we thought, well, just for the children this time around, we'll bring him out so they've got some more to look for. But he didn't go into the competition. He's fabulously uh, constructed. <laughs> so you say your husband made him out of... Yes, uh, out of love. Yeah, yeah. And all sorts of odds and <laughs> That's odds. right. Does, yes. it, does he do a very good job of scaring crows? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but uh, he's not going to be here for very long because... Um, We'll probably, in a couple of years' time, he might come out again with a few ad adaptations, maybe even move or yeah. lights or who, oh, know, who knows yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, He's a fabulous addition to the uh, Scarecrow <laughs> competition. I think he's really clever. And I love the fact that he's just had a very big meal of computer chips as well. <laughs> <laughs> We've been watching people waving at him, which it says on the, uh, on the sign there. Yeah. And we, we've kind of come to the conclusion that they think that if they wave at him, he'll do something. Yeah, I just did. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. He doesn't do anything. But watch this space because maybe next year he will. So he's not a static scarecrow, this one. He's, he's one that's going to probably evolve at some I point, isn't I think he might well do, yeah. I think he might well... Uh, um, come alive at some stage. It's beautiful. <laughs> so he's going back in the cellar after this. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah he'll, and he doesn't uh, mind that. He doesn't get too rusty in there. No, no, no it's a nice dry cellar, so he's cosy. But he has a He has actually enjoyed the fresh air. I think. Yeah, he's got a smile on his face anyway, <laughs> even if he's not waving at us. <laughs> yeah, we've had cake. We've had tea. We've I'm trying to get around there. Oh really? All right. um, we've spoken to the guy who's seen the woods, yeah, the wood turning. I didn't realise he was a plot holder. Oh, I didn't realise that. That I is, just, yeah. plot, where he is, is actually his well, plot. Oh, he did say, oh, this did he? Plot. Oh, yes. right, okay. Yeah. But that was really mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. What um, was he talking about to you then? Um, the, his wood, like, turning. Yes. Was he actually turning and using the lathe? No, no, uh, um, no he, he was, was using the one that, the one that doesn't. You know, he's scrape. Yeah. A shave, the shave. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why do you like working with wood? I, I've always liked trying to make things. Yeah. I've never been that good at it, but I've always liked trying to make things. Where do you get all your wood from, your That's raw material? <laughs> what, finding it? Yeah. Does it have to be green for the work yes. that you're doing? Yeah. 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 Green. yeah. What's the maximum age that it can be after felling in order for you to be able to use it? Um, I, Apparently, uh, amongst the couple of months, providing it hasn't dried out too quickly, depends on the, um, the type of wood. Yeah. That, I mean, that influences how quickly it might dry out after yeah. it's been cut down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hello. What's that? That's a pole lathe. A pole lathe. A pole lathe. Yeah. You. It's not. It's not an electrical lathe. You power it with the the elastic rope at the top and your foot at the bottom, and it turns the wood. And you. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing a bit later on this afternoon oh, if you can have a look. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that uh, dibber was made on that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, it's willow. I, I, I thought it might be willow because they're always coppicing the willow on the, on the riverbank. 
Yeah. yeah. I can't quite make a cricket bat. It's a different sort of willow, I think. Yeah. And what's this receptacle here? Is this it's a drinking called, cup? It's called a cookser. And what do you... It's, what? A, it's a Scandinavian drinking cup. Oh, my goodness, that is just That's so beautiful. That's made out of a log. Yeah. It's <laughs> Literally something that size. Yeah. You, you just carve it out. Right, so I'm here with... What's your name? Ambrose. And... Aurora Lily. Aurora Lily. She's just a little bit shy. <laughs> and you are? Heather. Okay. And where have you come from? Are you local? We're local. We live just on Churchill Avenue, so just we're really there. close. Yeah. And um, what's been your favourite thing that you've seen today then on the allotment? I really like the creative scarecrows that we see a lot. Is there one in particular that sticks out in your mind so far? What one have you seen so far mm. you really liked? Like the lizardy dragon looking one. Just up there. Have you seen the one on the bridge yet? No, we need to go and have a look. Oh, that's really cool. That's a new bridge as well. It is, yeah. It's not this one. It's on that one up there. And I'm told he's he's underneath looking (gasps) up at you. Oh, you'll love that. Mummy, look! (laughs) Oh, yeah, little scarecrow. We're here with Pippa. Um, he's done us a great pleasure today of coming down to the allotments to uh, officiate and Pippa is the Deputy Mayor Deputy Mayor of the Town Council um, why, why, do you, why do you enjoy coming to support these things? Um, I think anything to do with growing and producing and all of the marvellous um, community and social um, uh, to and fro that is involved is is really marvellous, particularly when these days um, there's a lot of engagement um, but some of it is is via phones, and one hears about um, massive loneliness. Mm. And down on the allotment, it's all face to face. So it's it's a really really meaningful, mm. a meaningful um, kind of engagement. Have you ever been a plot holder of an allotment? No, I haven't. Are you green fingered? Well, I've got about seven different kinds of fruit in my garden, including an apple tree. What's been good this year? Um, the Logan berries have been truly amazing. Yeah. I don't know if that's because I always put my coffee grounds on the um, Loganberry yeah. plant. Yeah. But yes, that's been amazing out of all of the plants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you brought your scissors? Do you want us to be no, I bought my brolly. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a, a conveniently placed pair of secateurs for you to cut the ribbon or something <laughs> like that. You can get my strimmer out if you like. <laughs> <laughs> The track that goes all the way around the sides, yes. and uh, there's a bridge down at the other end, which which has been there since the allotments were put in. But when you get to here, you've got to walk all the way back round to get to the shed, okay. or to the trading shed. Whereas so, now, so from now, now we've got the bridge. You can come back across this way, this oh. and so we sell compost and well, we have the manure pile and things like that, so people can come backwards and forwards. Oh, and I think this- it's even been occupied by its own resident troll as well, uh, Pippa. If you look over here, look. Yeah, be very careful where you. You don't want to get too close to. I've never met one of those before. No. Does it bite? I'm not sure. Uh, we try to keep small children away from it, though. Well, it's at least green, isn't it? Yes. yes. Green and yeah. strawberry. <laughs> 
That was made by Margaret, one of the... Uh, oh, the really? It was Margaret, That's wasn't right. it, Lily? Uh, one of the plot... One just what, over there. What do you, yeah. what do you think shirt. of him? Uh, him, her? <laughs> <laughs> she, he? They. 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 <laughs> well, I just think this is a really splendid bridge. And as you don't have a name as yet... I think it just should just be called Splendid Bridge. Yes. <laughs> and I named the Splendid Bridge. It's officially <laughs> open. We have a gluten-free cake, we have a vegan cake, we have a dairy-free cake. We are catering for all. All taste catered for here at Audubon Lot. special dietary needs. Hello, Roger. Oh, hello, Nikki. What have you got there? I'll just scrounge them off my kitchen. They're beautiful, aren't they? Has he washed them for you? Yeah, I know you can't grumble at that, can you? <laughs> What's been good on the plot this year? Um, well, mine, because it was all late and dry, the potatoes are nice. I'm still eating them. Yep. They did well, but other things, not so good. Uh, but I can't hide them behind your back, we can see them. Hey, hi, Nick, you okay? <laughs> just, yes, thanks. Uh, it's just. Uh, getting started this year and hopefully it'll be a lot better next year. Yeah. It's hard work with this. But you know it because... Uh, with the heat as well, yeah. Why did you decide to write a book I'll about sheds? That. Yes. Well, that was very simple. I was short of things to do. I'd done about... F- with Graham uh, Gould. I'd, we'd done about six local history books based mainly on big houses uh, in Kenilworth. And... Uh, and we were st- I was stuck for something to do. And I, s- and I looked at next door's garden shed and thought, oh, that would be nice. I'll go round Kenilworth and look at uh, sheds. And I walked round Kenilworth and I could find no sheds of, of any real in- interest. Uh, and then Claire said, well, there's plenty down the allotment. And I suddenly thought, yes, yeah. so I came down and I just simply photographed every single shed and as many people as wanted to write, uh, talk about their shed uh, uh, or write about it or send me a comment in a little bit, uh, that's, how the book, that's how the book came about. So then I did the sort of a bit of the back history of the, of the, um, of the allotments themselves. Uh, and it was basically because uh, my dad was... Uh, and I came down as a kid, you see. To Audibourne, the Audibourne side. To Audibourne, yes, yeah. and the end allotment on Just that side. Yeah. There, and... Yeah. Oh, you're the tape lady. I spent ages looking for the big yellow flowers that I went in amongst when I was a kid, uh, uh, like in a forest. And I still remember that, and I couldn't for the life of me find out what they were you can and then I was over in Warwick and I saw a row of them in, uh, up against somebody's fence so I popped in and knocked on the door and said is it possible to have a root and she says you can have as much as you bloody well like she says it, they go like rabbits uh, and that sort of thing so she says what I've always wanted is golden rod I said I've got golden rod so we, we actually swapped over and I've now got Rudebeck here in, uh, in uh, both the front and the, and the back gardens. Is that the flower that you remember And as that was all? the flower I remember, you see. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, uh, I found, she knew what the name was. Was your father a long-term plot holder? Did he have yes, his plot yes, for many years? Yes, yes, during the war. He had the post office in Henry Street. And, uh, and yes, and we used to come down on the bike. 
and bring the produce back yeah. over the over the crossbar. Yeah. You know, carrots tied together and over the crossbar yeah. and all that sort of thing. So we did all that. Uh, and uh, uh, and he, he mainly grew veg uh, as thing. He worked uh, in a factory in Coventry uh, in Courtauld's in the spinning department. Um, and like a lot of uh, blokes of that age, and especially during the war, when that added to it, um, and I'm talking about... I was born in 1932, so uh, I'm talking about I'm talking about the, just about the start of the war now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, they liked something they could get out to the open air, where the allotment, the allotment organisation uh, actually was was prompted by that. It's a bit like brass bands to 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 pits. Mm-hmm. It gave them something to do uh, in their spare time. But also with allotments, of course, it, it, it did mean that uh, if you had a man who was a good allotment here and a, and a mother who was a good cook, you got a good house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the two things went together. Mm-hmm. So consequently, he uh, he did what most people did, and they just they they got an allotment because Henry Street hadn't got much of a garden behind, uh, and uh, and so he needed he needed the extra plot um, and that. So I thought, well, I'll do that. And then I got into the history of it, and I, and I wrote all the history of it, and the, all the all the stuff, collected as many old photos as I could uh, of uh, of that, and wrote about old Spud Perkins, who uh, who, who was who won, won the the years 1957, I think, the potato crop uh, prize, national prize for national grammar, uh, and that, yeah. So I remember the. I remember the bag of the bag of uh, chit potatoes coming down from Scotland uh, for him to for him to plant and that. So there was a lot of nostalgia in it, and it filled. So I thought, oh, I'll get this book done. So I got it done. It looked all right. So I I, I used the same publisher that Graham and I used, uh, and I got uh, I got a batch of them done. And I thought, no, instead of selling them. I'll give them to the Allotment Association uh, in in uh, in Alf's memory, you see, and uh, and uh, Lily w- was pleased to accept it, uh, and then they decided that the bridge was going to be not paid for, but uh, it it triggered a off. contribution towards, yes. yeah, and they needed a lump sum to sort of start it off, and, and here they are, they got six hundred quid. From uh, from selling the books, and here we are, stood and on so, that bridge now. Yeah. So the whole thing kept, went together very, very nicely yeah. as a thing. Everybody was satisfied. I was delighted that uh, the old man got uh, got uh, remembered. Yeah. And, well, uh, here he is. He's got his plaque on. And he there got now. he got his yeah. he got his little plaque. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yes, and and the allotments, and it was a good. It's what the allotments wanted. And it wasn't until we got round to here that we discovered that it's all been happening. Yeah, yeah. Been the ribbon right. has been well and truly cut. That's yeah, right. it's been well and truly cut. I don't but, think Alf would have minded that most. Oh, do you? not in the sli- Alf was the most unprepos. It was my mother who was the driver. She was the bossy Bedworth girl, oldest of thirteen, uh, so she knew how to boss, and uh, and she was as bossy as can be. And I've married bossy women ever since. I got one down there. <laughs> And uh, the, no um, comment for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Confirm or deny. And uh, no, but yes, uh, 
uh, and Alf, Alf had been the old brother of, with four, four sisters uh, who's, and the husband had done a, a bunk and so he was the sort of father substitute for them so he was like that and he was great because in the post office then he was the father figure during the war to all the, all the women who were on charity uh, and government money and rent allowances and, and food allowances and that sort of thing uh, and in the post office they were all dealt with through the post office in those days and uh, and uh, so he was he was uh, a little god to them and eventually he went on to be a councillor mm-hmm. so yeah so he was he was he was great and i and he was a very retiring shy sort of chap uh, and uh, and uh, and i never really got to know him as because my mother was so dominant and and I regret that. So this was good for me mm, mm. to be able to sort of put him yeah. with his plaque. Yeah. And she hasn't got one. <laughs> Going back to your book, there, so you, you did this book about sheds. Is there one particular shed or finding in a shed that either surprised you or that you thought, oh, I, I wouldn't mind that, you know? Yeah, well, I loved, uh, what's it, Garlic's, uh, young garlic shed up there. Why? Be- well, because he turned it into... Uh, he turned it into his uh, his refuge, and he got an armchair in there, and, and and his and his radio, and all that, and it was done out. Uh, you know, there was hardly any evidence of gardening in there at all, and I found that an awful lot of them, when they wrote about it, talked about their sheds as a as a refuge. In fact, on my garden shed, I've now got the plaque that said, "This is not a this is not a shed. It's a." Sanctuary. A sanctuary, that's yeah. right. <laughs> One of those daft songs. We call yeah. it the Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Which is the gardener's hut. <laughs> Scottish <laughs> gardener's hut. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so it was interesting to see those. And, the you know, lots of interesting stories come out of it. You know, of where the sheds came from and all that. Yeah. It was great fun. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it filled a gap also between that and finding another topic that Graham and I could do. And then we, we went on and we did a, another one. Have we done one or two since then? I forget whereabouts. I think two. Two after that now. Now we've run out of steam again and we haven't <laughs> got anything to do at the moment. It's been lovely talking to you. Uh, and also, you know, thank you very much for the contribution towards the vision. I'm really glad that uh, you think that Alf would have been really quite oh, chuffed to bits to think that he got his, his name up there he's back in Audiborn after all these years he would, yeah. have, he would have done exactly what I did as I said to Lily uh, about the function I said I'll come to it yes but I will not be acknowledged in public I, if you want me to get up and say any, any few words I said forget it uh, so in actual fact by sheer good fortune we, we you walked missed away it. and I missed it <laughs> <laughs> Victoria, is it? Yeah. yeah. Would you like that half of the plum? Oh, yeah, that's, that's divine. Really nice. That's absolutely um, fresh that's off the tree. Yeah. So 
so I have to count them. My my decision is final. <laughs> have you seen the uh, the troll on the bridge? That's my personal favourite. I love it. I <laughs> caught them installing it the other the other day, <laughs> and I thought Margaret was going to fall in the brook. So I have to walk away. I thought I don't think it's going to look very good if a committee member actually watches her fall in the brook. Well, it would be worse if that committee member didn't then help. So I chose to walk away. <laughs> there were other people with her at the time. It wasn't like I left her on her own. But I thought, yeah. So you'll be going over. Mm -hmm. And do not miss the scarecrow on the bridge. It's just okay. fabulous. It's a troll. It's oh, under oh, the really? bridge. Oh, right. oh fantastic. Very Norwegian Scandi. It's so cool. Really cool. An inspired idea by Margaret, the lady who did oh, really? it. Yeah, really. Cool. Apparently she nearly fell in the river when she was installing oh, really? it. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least there would have been much water in there. So. No, that's well, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Caroline. And I work, I'm from Waste Management at Warwickshire County Council. Right, yeah. So I go around trying to encourage people to recycle more, waste less. And today we have a wormery made out of recycling boxes. Oh, so these are the red things that there that, might be a lot of that you used to you put know, your recycling at the yeah. moment, yeah, because of the new collection system. So, That's what right. is actually in there then? So, here we've got um, one container at the bottom which is sealed so that the worm juice can't escape. And then we have a recycling container that we've drilled lots of holes in yeah. so the worms can get through each layer and then in here we have um, lots of worms with food waste out of my kitchen um, and if we dig down in here we might see they are in here yeah oh, there, there's one there's yeah so I, yeah. You, you can either collect them from underneath uh, tubs in the garden. If you move a tub out of the way, often there's little worms underneath. So these are just ordinary so they're worms. They're not. They're not all earthworms. They're composting worms. And there is a difference. They're brandling worms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So these just live in rotting vegetation. Um, so that's the ones I'd have in the compost bin. Yeah. And what you find in a compost bin. So you can either harvest them out of a compost bin from underneath pots, or you can buy them from fishing tackle shops. Yes, I thought I'd so heard these that came... word before, brandling worm, yeah. Yeah, brandling, so there's one now. Yeah. So these came from the Emscott Road in Warwick, from the, the fishing tackle shop. Yeah. And so you put, you start it off by putting in some bedding, which could be a mixture of straw and scrunched up cardboard, shredded paper, some compost out of a compost bin, and then pop the worms in there, put some food waste on top, and then I've just covered this over with a sheet of newspaper and then each time you have more food waste just add it in cover them up to keep it moist or does the food that's going in have enough moisture it's, in there for the quite, worms yeah it's quite wet so yeah. it stays moist enough I keep it in the shade don't put it in the sun so um, as well as doing something with your food waste what, what's the benefit what can you use the what are the products that you can use and what would you use them for so you have um, the finished compost I tend to use it for a top dressing on my containers so is that um, really stuff that you've done that? Yes, yeah. yeah, so this is out of my wormery. You can see eggshells in there. Yeah. Um, basically worm poo. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's very nutritious and it's good for top dressing of your pots in your garden. Um, yeah. And it creates a potential problem in something that's really actually quite useful. Yeah, yeah. it's free. You'd be throwing it in the bin, wouldn't you? And yeah. now you've got this for free. So. Do you know this new collection system that we've got going in, in Warwickshire? Um, what's happening with the food waste in these caddies? Is a similar thing being done on an industrial scale here? No, so that's all going to a Seven Trent facility and it's called a biodigester. Right. And it's a big, it's lots of big vats 
light and it gets turned into a soup um, and all of the methane that is created gets contained and piped through and it gets made into electricity and goes onto the grid and then the digestate they call it that comes out the bottom all of the all of the gooey stuff yeah um, gets reprocessed into fertilizer and gets put on farmland so that would be the equivalent of what you've just shown me here, yeah your but it would more be compost. it'd be like a sloppy soupy yeah. mush at the bottom yeah but again though it's turning a potential problem into something yeah. that's valuable in yeah, many right. different respects so all the it? gases that are in that that get produced when things get composted instead when it goes to the to the biodigester it gets turned into energy so good great. for the environment it is yeah well it sounds it to me if people want to learn more about how to do this safe for themselves or yeah. just because they're interested in general where should they go what are the good sources of information for so them? we have a facebook page uh, warwickshire recycles um twitter as well and also our web page is warwickshire.gov.uk forward slash composting and everything will be on there tell them all about composting or wormeries um, and signpost them in the right direction. Fantastic. If there's anything more they want to know. Yeah. I can't keep me out on, it's too hot. I'm on the PIM store with Trudy. How have sales been today, Trudy? Absolutely brilliant, thank you. It's been, um, it's been really exciting actually talking to everybody with their glass of PIMs. Oh, I didn't know we were going to have a wormery here as well. Yes! Like Such a cool idea. It's brilliant. Um, Caroline always comes with some recycling ideas, so it's really lovely. I'm with the um, local textile artist Jackie um, Smithson and she's got various creations here made out of, is this local wool that you usually use? Where do you get your wool it's from? It's merino wool, um, so that? I buy it from a place in Yorkshire, so it's not too far Oh, there's away. nothing wrong not with some of them, the United People's Republic of Yorkshire, you know, yeah. yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, why merino wool in particular? It's much easier to felt with, it's softer and it just, it's just an easier way of felting. I mean you could you, you could incorporate a bit of alpaca, a bit of this, all sorts of things with it, but merino as a base is the, is the best for felting that I've found. Um, you can use different ones. But I think these are just so beautiful, oh, absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> what? Well, it's just bizarre isn't it that they don't weigh anything? It's, it's just so peculiar. And I say to people, you can post them because what you can do <laughs> Totally flatten them, put them yeah. in the post, and then they pop back up, and you just do that, and they're back to shape. Harmless. I don't understand the physics of it actually. How you know, just hitting wool or whatever you're doing and that, and wetting it makes so, it knit together. Woolen fibres yeah. have little barbs on them. So every little woolen fibre has a little barb going up, sort of thing. So a little all barb. along the fibre. All along. Yeah. So when you agitate it with your rubbing and your rolling it closes back up and shrinks it so it's not actually shrinking wool it's just shrinking it together if that makes sense yeah. um, so that's how it, the physics behind it or the chemistry or whatever you want yeah. it to be so yeah so the rubbing and the rolling and you know the, the friction of it locks those fibres together and there's little barbs and then they shrink together so. someone on the allotments this morning at Spring Lane went uh, to pick his watering can up and no water, no water would come out. <laughs> and so he gave it a shake. He thought, oh, it'll be full of snails, because it's usually full of snails, you know. Yeah. No, still no water. So he took the end off his rose, and there was a baby frog looking at <laughs> up in, it, in his rose. I think allotments yeah. are, I mean, they're the sort of soul of a community, aren't they? Yeah. You know, I they're think, really important. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think they're also very, they're not just important for the individuals that are doing them. No. I mean, as you can see today, you know, there's a lot of education that goes yes, on absolutely. behind the scenes. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of interest. Mm. I mean, so many people here today. Yeah, um, and all different ages and yeah. You know, backgrounds. Yeah. I think it's really important that people know where food comes from as well. Yeah, so that's well, really helpful to see, yeah. see it in action, really. It is, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was talking to the lady uh, that was, is the beekeeper. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, so we just bought yeah. some honey as well. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. That's great. That's four pounds, please, for that size. This is Kenworth honey. I used to have a, a big jar of honey every fortnight. I had honey on every day. And then I was telling Nick, I was um, told I was pre-diabetic. Oh no! So I stopped honey altogether. And the only treat I have is today when I come to the allotment and I have some honey. Oh, how lovely! Oh, that's really lovely! Well, I'm honoured! Thank you very much! <laughs> I will tell my girls. <laughs> Thank you. How long have you been beekeeping? I've been beekeeping for 15 years. So um, I started with the Warwick and Leamington Beekeeper Association and I started with one hive and then it's a hobby that got out of control. Um, I got up to about 25. I'm now back down to about 10. So... Um, so yes, uh, I'm really keen on bees, um, I'm just absolutely fascinated by them and uh, I, I got so interested with the club, I've been doing some work with a few years ago, I used to run the training for the new beekeepers, Yeah. Um, just to help people understand because bees are fascinating, you can learn a lot about them but you can't, they don't always read the books, so we used to run a practical course and yeah. do that. But um, we love coming to the allotments. It's a, it's a lovely thing to see here. I mean, you know, there are, there are kids looking at, at the bees now. This is an observation hive here, uh, which has a frame of bees in it that I'm looking at at the moment. Um, and they're all busily working away there, but they can't get out from there today, can they? No, so. not no. none can get out at all. They're all fastened in. And what will happen to those bees tonight when, when, when you're packing your stall up? What will you do with those bees tonight? So those bees are actually just a small part of a bigger colony that I've got at home. So when I get home, I will introduce the queen and the rest of the bees back into the colony. So today we've got about 10,000 bees in that observation hive, but there's probably nearer uh, 50,000 at home waiting for their queen to come back. Will they be quite sort of worried at the moment, thinking, gosh, where's she gone? You know, will they have detected her absence? They certainly will detect her absence. Normally it takes the hive about half, a, half an hour to realise the queen isn't there because she gives off a smell, she has a perfume, a pheromone, that they rub on the other bees and share it around the colony and that's how they know they're from that particular colony and that hive. So they'll know that there isn't that smell there anymore. Um, so they will be a little bit worried and they might be thinking whether or not they need to make a new queen but hopefully if we can get her back in uh, today, uh, later on, that will uh, calm them all down a bit. She, she only came out last night. So. When, they, uh, when you reintroduce the queen and her bees here back into the main hive, Will they accept her readily? Will that be all right? Will they remember that it's their queen, that, that smell that she has? They, they will, and it also helps to have um, the other 10,000 bees that will realise that's their home. They, those, those bees will know 
uh, where their, their home is, they'll settle in straight away and they'll protect the Queen should anybody sort of start coming up to her and say, hey, look, I don't recognise you. Yeah. They'll make sure she's all right. So that's good. What do you think it is that people know about bees and, and their reliance on them, really? Uh, uh, very important. It's 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 part of why I do the beekeeping and it's a big part of that. I mean, the honey happens to be a side sideline for me the bees produce it and I need to do something with it but it's my vehicle for talking to people about it um, and how it got there and why it's important to our environment but also the honey is actually important to them health-wise as well um, so it's yeah it's a vehicle for talking to people um, and people are understanding their their environment uh, when you're not selling your honey here, if someone from Kenworth wants to go and buy your honey, where can they go and get some from? Uh, they, I sell some of my honey at Green Bean in um, Warwick, in the shop there, the su sustainability shop. Um, but I also sell it direct to people um, in Kenilworth, so they can contact me through Be Originals. Um, I've got a website, beoriginals.co.uk. And they can then uh, just send me an email and uh, we can sort it out from there. So I do quite a bit from that. Great. Okay, well, I won't keep you uh, from your customers uh, for any longer. There's obviously a lot of them around here. And thanks very much for talking to us. And thank you very much for coming to the Open Day. Oh, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Well, you didn't look like that when I saw you earlier. Well, no, no. Fairly recent. It's still attached, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I've just taken the skin off the knuckle. Oh, that's yeah. Well, it's nice that you've got such a nice, clean-looking bandage on it. What's the piece of wood that you've got on this uh, pole lathe at the moment? Willow. A piece of willow. Is that uh, Audubon willow? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, we stood in front of Ian's pole lathe. You call pole it. Pole lathe. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And is it hand operated or foot operated? It's foot operated. Right. So it's like a big sort of contraption, a, a sort of frame, and then there's a piece of wood that Ian's going to work on directly in front of him attached by a series of pulleys to a pedal yeah uh, and what are you hoping to turn this piece of wood into well i could turn it into a a, a dibber this is just taking the uh, the, the high the high bits off the wood yeah to get it smooth so it'll sound a bit bumpy yeah Also got a lovely smell. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. Lovely. Mm. Yeah. It's very light actually, it isn't is. it? Yeah. yeah. Is it a strong wood? No. The problem with turning it is you you get splits on it. Yeah. So what I've sort of do is, is I I leave a bit at the end which I can bound bind up if it's if it's getting split. Yeah. And then the the piece of work will sort of finish either side of the split. So how long uh, would it perhaps take you? About an hour. So about an hour from yeah. uh, a piece of a branch yeah. to a dibber. To a dibber, yeah. yeah. Take, take the bark off on the uh, clay horse yeah. and get it as round as you can with a draw knife. And then it will go on here. And if it's not perfectly round, I'll move this up.
It's actually a remarkably sustainable way of producing something. It this, is, isn't yeah. It? Because yeah, it's yeah. powered by food, isn't it? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no electric or anything no here. It's a hundred percent sustainable, yeah. isn't yeah. it? You know, and the wood has come from here. Uh, yeah, and exactly. You never know, the dibber might be being used by someone well, on Oddly Board. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, this, this will sound lumpy. Yeah. See what I mean? As opposed to. Yes. That's the difference. This is because this bit hasn't had all the, all the highs and lows taken out. It's yeah. not the same level. As you get it down to one level, it becomes smoother and smoother. Start the initial shaping with this. Yeah. So if I wanted a a groove in it. Oh, it's taking a lot more off. Is that because you're pressing more? I'm putting, or pushing more in. You're putting more pressure on there. Yeah. Oops, going the right way. You have to go work downhill, as it were. Yeah. Yes, I can see. So you're see, actually working from side to side, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. And uh, so going down from the from the high point to the low point, you go that side. Yeah. And turn it back the other way. Yeah. And then you'll take that out. And you see how quickly that's that yeah. that groove yeah. has come into it. Yeah. And that's that sort of just shaping. Do you and use any uh, finishes on it? Uh, when uh, you, yeah, when you you're can. happy with the end product from the. If I'm, if I'm making a spoon, yep. or or like the, the butter spreader there, and I guess on here as well, I'll, I'll use some um, just a. It's a, a vegetable oil thing. There's a bottle of it around somewhere. Oh yeah, there it is down there. Yeah. This one. Uh, yeah. So that's food grade oil. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't put it on your salad, but. Can you use that on any wood? Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, but particularly on um, woods that you're going to use, if you want wooden spoons or wooden forks that you've made, or yeah. bowls or things like that, you'd use something like that. Yeah. You can dye them, um, but again, you've got to use um, food grade dyes like walnut or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Walnut oil that you'd put on your salad or something, you could use that. It's an expensive way of doing it, but yeah. You, and that'll dye it uh, yeah. sort of a brownie colour. Oh, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to, exactly. to, to make something for yeah. me is yeah. just far, far more rewarding than buying something. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, as you say, you, this the satisfaction you get out of actually producing something which you can then use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Whether the house, it be a the spoon or a chair, yeah. <laughs> for cooking and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some, be some better than others. As I've gone on, though, my, my proficiency has, has got better. So yeah. Yeah. the early spoons are really fairly rough. <laughs> <laughs> and yet usable, ones. I'm sure. Oh, they're still usable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Successful day then, Paula. How many people do you think you've had through the door? Do you know? Uh, I've got a piece of paper with a five bar gate system on it. So far I've managed to avoid it. No. I ran away around the other side. Going there? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, well, I think it's been a lovely day. It's been fabulous. There, yeah. Carrier yeah. Bikes. Okay. Um, and then I'll put them away. I'll, I'll, what I'll probably do is I'll probably have a side of the. Well, I do hope you enjoyed listening to that. There were some really interesting people there, so enthusiastic about their subject. And I particularly liked hearing about the bees from beekeeper Julia Smith. 
and I thought that Peter James is a real Kenilworth character. So I hope to see you there next year. Goodbye.